Auto One Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of Creative Riding, the motorcycle podcast that brings you two-wheel topics from around the globe. Tonight's show is brought to you by our supporters on Patreon. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, go to www.patreon.com forward slash creative writing to find out more. Now, to our regularly scheduled show, show, mother and all the other mothers that love your mother what welcome to another episode of creative writing motorcycle podcast this is the junkster uh junkston tino rossi they call me then nobody calls me that uh but anyway yeah this is the um Madarasha of <laughs> mayhem the uh Harbinger of crazy news, whatever you want to call me. Uh, welcome to another show, a fabulous episode. I'm popping up my show notes now so I can tell you what episode it is. Since there's no Yahoo's in here in the studio with me tonight to tell me that it's episode 192 of the Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast. As you know, on this podcast, most everything that is said is opinion, not necessarily fact, and not necessarily the views of the Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast or Moto One Podcast Network. And uh, just want to make that clear in the beginning, because as you know, we like to ramble, we like to uh, contemplate, pontificate, and all the other things that end in eight that aren't so great. And so we don't want to muster the name of the good show that puts us on. Uh, once again, thank you, patrons, for uh supporting us, uh, your continued support. We have spooky spokes coming up. And as a patron, you know what that means. Um, you are, I think if you're $5 or more, I should know I'm the one that created our Patreon page, but if you're five bucks or more, you are automatically entered into the Patreon, uh, drawing. Uh, you don't have to submit a spooky spoke, but you'd be much cooler if you did. And you get another chance. So submit a story, you get one entry. And just for being a patron, you get one entry. So there you go, double whammy. Uh, I hope everybody had a great Friday the 13th last weekend in the spirit of uh, National Ghost, excuse me, National Ghost Hunter Day, which is coming up, and uh, Spooky Spokes, which is also coming up, and uh, Sam Hain and all that other stuff that's coming up. I hope you guys had a wonderful Friday the 13th. And I think this weekend coming up is a moon festival. I know they're having one locally here. Moon festivals, all sorts of great stuff going on around the globe this week. And to clue you in on some of that stuff that's going on this week, this weekend, as a matter of fact, and coming up for the next month, uh, I'm going to go ahead and get into some what's happening before we give you the beginning of this show. And this show, by the way, it's going to be interesting, uh, I think, because I'm half prepared. I halfway know what I'm talking about. And so I need to make full use of that disclaimer right there loaded up in the front. All right, everybody, let's get to some current events. What's happening right now? If you're listening to this Monday, half of this crap's going to be too late. So you better be listening on Friday. Hey, 
I got questions for you right out of the gate. Do you listen to this Monday? Are you listening at work right now? Are you like peeking over your cube at some Wahoo that's kind of blankly staring at you like, dude, it's Friday. I totally wish it was five o'clock so we could go home. Do you bang this on your whip on the way home? Or do you listen to it on Monday when everything's too late? Let me know if I can figure out how to do a survey some god dang place. I will do it there and you can give us some feedback on when you listen. So maybe we can adjust the days that we uh, record and publish. So... Having said that, let's get into the current events. Why don't we? It's a it's a crazy night here at the Creative Writing Podcast. First off, uh, and all these just saying these current events out loud is going to make me feel that much better. Um, so let's get into it. All right, September twentieth through twenty second, but that's like today already. It's Friday, and I listened to this Monday, so all this already happened. Well, I'm sorry. That's not my fault. That's your fault. September twentieth through twenty second, the Betuta Horse and Motorbike Gymkhana happening in Birdsville, Queensland, Australia. Betuta. That is such a cool name for a, a venue. So the Betuta Horse and Motorbike Gymkhana. They're going to have horse. Uh, Barrel racing, I think it said horse barrel racing and all sorts of like crazy stuff. And then, floop, they switch over to the motorbikes and they do some of the sort of the same stuff on motorbikes to show you just how good people are on a horse or a dirt bike. I guess uh, both are equally popular in ranching there in Birdsville. So that's in Queensland, Queensland, Australia. Uh, September 22nd, which is uh, Sunday, the SoCal Cycle Swap Meet, uh, Long Beach, California. You know it at, as uh, Long Beach Veterans Stadium down there on uh, Louis Kashmui Drive. Uh, check it out. It's always fun to see what pops up at the SoCal Cycle Swap Meet. It happens every uh, last Sunday of every month. September 21st through 22nd, that's uh, Saturday and Sunday, the Guthrie Motorcycle Swap Meet in Guthrie, Oklahoma. We've been talking about this for about four weeks. Go down to Guthrie. Get yourself some kettle corn. Get yourself some fried Pepsi. I don't even think they're selling that there, but just find it somewhere. Get yourself a Twinkie. You can probably find those in Guthrie, Oklahoma. Kiss a sheep and... uh, Tell everybody in Arkansas that I said hi while you're on the way down there. But yeah, go down there to the Guthrie Motorcycle Swap Meet. It's going to be a show and swap. There's going to be all sorts of crazy stuff. It's like, uh, I, I imagine that it's just like miles and miles of motorcycle parts strewn about the side of the freeway. And you can just drive along and peruse as you like. It's like window shopping at 30 miles an hour. Uh, happening September 28th, Ghost Biker Exploration Season 2 premiere with our good friend Miranda Young happening at White Lightning Harley-Davidson in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And that's going to be awesome. She also told us that the 28th happens to be National Ghost Hunting Day in the USA, at least. Um, and it also happens to be National Beer Day in the USA. So, drink a beer, go hunt a ghost and ride your bike, but do all three responsibly and not necessarily in that order. But God dang it. If you're in Tennessee, especially Chattanooga, um, there's no excuse not to go down to white lightning, Harley Davidson, check out the season two premiere of ghost biker with Miranda young, her cameraman, Josh, um, and anybody there named Ben that's going to be at the uh, White Lightning Harley Davis. I'm just guessing there's going to be somebody named Ben hanging out down there. Uh, but yeah, also, I mean, what a great day. You guys let me know how that goes. Please go to that, somebody. September 29th is the uh, Distinguished Gentleman's Ride. That's a worldwide event happening all over the globe. Isn't that what worldwide means? How can people say globe-wide? Does that just sound too funny? Um, 
October 3rd, the Crazy Horse Bike Night at the Deco House in uh, Barry St. Edmunds, Suffolk, UK. I know that sounds like I said 47 town names, but I think it was like one area and one actual town. So it's Crazy Horse Bike Night. And from what I've heard, uh, the people that uh, run this thing, Crazy Horse, it's like cars and bikes and all sorts of stuff, all sorts of classic and vintage stuff. And apparently there's two or two locations, I think, or three locations, and they are like the top-notch place to go. Uh, I think it was started by a guy who couldn't find the classic bikes or bike parts that he wanted, so he made it his life's uh, ambition and journey to go over and go over, go around gather up some of the best custom bikes and cars and this and that and uh, assemble them in a couple locations for you to enjoy. That's the Crazy Horse Bike Night at the Deco House because there's another house called like the Bacon House or something. I forget what it's called. But it's Barry St. Edmunds in Suffolk, UK. So take that for what it's worth. Maybe Suffolk's the county, Barry St. Edmunds is a town, and UK is just uh, a made-up name for someplace else. Um, October 13th, Ramsey Classic Bike Night happening at the Jolly Sailor Pub in Ramsey, UK. Check that out. That looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, any classic bike night anywhere is fun, right? So get on it. October 19th, Joe's Mini Bike Reunion is happening here in La Crescenta, California. We're going to try and hit that up. Creative Riding is going to try and be present and see all these cool little mini bikes that I always hear Joe talking about on his podcast. If you want to listen to Joe's Mini Bike Reunion podcast, hey, go figure. Who names uh, uh, what a fa- fantabulous name for a podcast? It's kind of like Creative Riding. Hey, and the Creative Riding Motorcycle Podcast. Whoa, what the hell? Um, who knew we'd think of these things beforehand? But anyway, Joe's Mini Bike Reunion happening October twenty, uh, October 19th um, at La Crescenta. Go to joesminibikereunion.com, I think it is, or look them up on Facebook to check out the uh, location. And if you want to uh, enter your bikes, I think you still can. And there's a uh, little pricing on there for all that stuff. There's going to be a lot of great stuff out there. That's why I'm kind of stoked to go see everybody used to have a mini bike. That's what used to get people into motorcycling. And that fad's kind of gone the way of the dodo bird, the dinosaur, the elephant seal, the passenger pigeon, and uh, everything else. I can think of this extinct. Um, and now, uh, uh, sock garters for men, huh? Those are pretty gone extinct. Hipsters, bring those back, would you? Uh, but anyway, so it's going to be kind of cool to go out there and see these mini bikes, which is where most people used to get their start back in the day. Um, October 19th and 20th, Classic Motorcycle Mechanics Show in Stafford, UK. And I think I mentioned this last week. I think this is called the Carol Nash Classic Motorcycle Mechanics Show. And it's going to have some really, really crazy cool stuff there. Did I mention last week that Joey Dunlop's uh, Cradler, his 50cc Cradler, is going to be there? Um, October 20th. 23rd is the last day to submit your stories for Spooky Spokes. Spooky Spokes is going to air that Friday, which I believe is the 25th. I might have said 26th on another show. Uh, I was uh, totally probably on crack or Quaaludes, so one of the two, or a mix of the both. So you don't know. I can never tell. So um, make sure you submit it by the 23rd. That's the only date you need to know. You don't need to know uh, what date is like the end of the year. It's uh, December 3rd. I'll just go ahead and tell you. It's December 31st. But you don't need to know that date. You need to know October 23rd, last day to submit for Spooky Spokes, and, of course, patrons at the $5 tier and up. You don't got to worry about it. But if you would, send in something cool. I know you guys have – you guys – usually have like some of the craziest stories ever and if you don't have one get out there and get one right now like go do something crazy and insane just for the show and a chance to win some cheesy prizes huh 
Um, October 26th is going to be the Moto Mash Art Show at the Mind and Mill in Riverside, California. This one's uh, particularly special to me because it's put on by Girl on a Moto. I don't know if you guys know Girl on a Moto, but they're a podcast here in Southern California. So Creative Writing used to be Southern California's 97th Best Motorcycle Podcast, and now we've been knocked down one more to 98th Best Motorcycle Podcast. So there you go. Um, October 25th through the 27th is the Australian Grand Prix um, in Ventnor, Victoria, Australia. You may know it as Phillip Island because that's the circuit where it takes place. Um, I don't think the island is actually called Phillip Island, though. That's interesting. Uh, but, yeah, that's a Victoria um, – it's going to be pretty rad, I think. I really like the Phillip Island rounds when they um, race like World Superbike there and stuff, I think, still. And uh, it's, it's a rad circuit. Um, November 1st through the 3rd, it's going to be the campout number two, Hooligan Campout number two at El Mirage Dry Lake Bed. Uh, hit up Wiggins or hit up SoCal Hooligans on Instagram for some more details. Really, I mean, there's no details. It's the 1st through the 3rd. The 1st being a Friday, you show up, you bring your own beer, bring your own bike, bring your own bedding. So BYOB covers all three of those things, right? And uh, there's no toilets out there, but you're out in the middle of the friggin' El Mirage is in the... What desert is that? That's the uh, Mojave Desert, I guess. So you, you're out in the middle of the Mojave Desert. Um, so it doesn't matter. You pee on a bush, it evaporates five seconds later. Um, but yeah, it should be nice. And then ride all day Saturday, ride all day Sunday, and go home. And uh, like I said, you can check out SoCal Hooligans or you can check out Wig09. He's probably got that on his Instagram. But uh, yeah, just show up at El Mirage Dry Lake Bed, hook a left, and you'll see Wiggins out there partying hard probably with a, uh, a made-up barbecue we're gonna dig a fire pit this year we're uh, <laughs> we're gonna throw a chain link fence over that sucker and barbecue half a cow on it uh november 5th is guy fox night in um the uk you guys already knew that it has nothing to do with the motorcycles except for ride your motorcycle safely because i hear there's a lot of fireworks going off that night and a lot of drinking so there you go november 9th and 10th is the australian motorcycle festival in lang park wollongong new south wales australia i know that sounded like i said 47 city names but i didn't lang park is where it's happening wollongong i believe is the city new south wales is the uh, state or the territory and australia is a continent and a country who knew all right everybody well we're gonna take a really quick break and i'm gonna come back and get into this week's episode, which is going to be entitled, should I say it now? I haven't really formally titled it. No, I won't. I'll get to it when I come back. You guys hang tight. We'll be right back in a jiff. Resave. Next message. Fine. Nice, sir. Resave. Next message. Look, you old dickhead. This is Dad. 
I'm going to stick a shark smack in your ass next time I see you. Resave. Next message. You're going to sit here. For some reason, I'm going to hit you right between the fucking eyes when I see you next. Resave. Next message. You're going to sit here. I'm going to give you a... Oh, no, 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 no. What is that bullshit? Resave. Next message. Hi, wonderful day. This is your wonderful day. I'm going to stick a foot in your ass for you next time I see you. Hey everybody, this is Nathan Flats from Flats Tires, reminding you to come on down and get everything you need for your bike. We've got tires, they're round, they're made of rubber, and we supply everything you need, including valve stems. The only thing you need to supply is the air. That's right, come down to Flats Tires. We're on the corner of State Street and First, down in Epperton. Yeah, that's right. It's time to get funky with me and the crew they call the Brass Monkey. Is that right? Did I say that right? Hey, everybody. It is uh, time to get in some, to some news. I almost said time to Zeus in some news, and that's how I'm talking this week. I don't feel very good, so bear with me. And you hear that rustling, rattling around? That is a real newspaper, my friend. I've been reading the newspaper now for about, oh, God, years. And so, <laughs> uh, anyway, I got some news here. This is coming to from... Coming to him from Managaruba. I think I'm having a stroke on the air. Like, literally, what the hell's going on? Uh, August 25th. So, this is like, uh, what's today? Ooh, it's almost a month old. So, that means this is back in July that this guy. Uh, basically, I, what I wanted to say is that the California is getting a new DMV. This is pretty exciting to me. Most of the stuff I'm going to be talking about here in the next few minutes is going to be from California. So bear with me because in a weird way, it impacts all of us. And it uh, it doesn't impact our European listeners because you guys are already a little bit ahead of the curve. But uh, first things first, I don't know what they have in every single state in the United States. I'm sure as hell not sure what the hell they have in the rest of North America. I don't know what Canada does. I don't know what Mexico does and what other countries are down on the tip of North America that aren't Mexico. Um, but I do know that in the U- in most of the states in the U.S., there's a DMV, the Department of Motor Vehicles. And like going to the dentist for hair plugs, which you would never do, uh, most of the people don't want to be at the DMV. Most of the time we go there uh, and it's for stuff that we don't want to do. And unfortunately, uh, you gotta, and especially with, there's like a new thing in the United States where they have a, um, I think it's called real ID and you need it in order to go on domestic flights now. Thanks terrorists. Thanks 2001 for all that great stuff that's happening. And it's just a pain in the butt. And even to, there are some like cool online things, but I think way back in like the very first year I did the show, I gave you my rendition of what happened when I tried to go onto the automated system and enter my registration for one of my motorcycles. It took me about four tries. Um, Every time I pushed back, I'd get a different menu because they wanted some weird thing. And it's like, my motorcycle doesn't have that many numbers in the VIN, okay? Like, uh, you're looking for 17 or 18 numbers, and I don't have it, my friend. Uh, My motorcycle was from 1980, so bear with me. Give me a break. Uh, But anyways, um, Sacramento, a tech entrepreneur, Steve Gordon is going to be taking over as director of the the uh, California DMV. He's been appointed or like asked to sign on by Governor Gavin Newsom, who's trying to shake things up and change things up. Um, and so basically, uh, last year, there were some news reports that detailed the horrors that people 
are facing at the DMV. And I, by horrors, I don't mean like people trying to get bread and rice in other countries. I mean like uh, USA horror stories. Like I had to wait at Walmart too long for my coffee and I spilled McDonald's hot brew on myself and uh, burned myself because I'm an idiot and I don't know how hot coffee is. Uh, I'm talking that sort of horrors. And these include uh, having to wait in the DMV for six hours, four to six hours. And that's kind of normal. I've gone to the DMV before. It's When you have DMV or jury duty here in the United States, Usually it's an all-day thing. And there are some states, like I said, where you're, it's lucky you can call people. Uh, I know here in the U.S., uh, I'm well, here in California, uh, AAA, if you have AAA insurance, you can actually use them to do some of your uh, DMV-like tasks. They contract with the DMV so you can like, you know, do little registration things, transfer a lot of stuff. They'll You can do it if you're insured through AAA because you got to go and do it on your insurance anyway, right? And a lot of times when you're getting driver reports from the DMV, they'll refer back to your insurance. So they kind of partner with each other. So you can already do some stuff out of the DMV, but you need a license taken, you need to go take a driving test, any of that stuff, you're going there and you're sitting for hours and hours and hours and hours. Sometimes you come out of there with a big, long gray beard, even if you went in as a female. And so Newsom has, I think, tasked like five separate people uh, to come on board. And this uh, Steve Gordon guy, is that what I said his name was? I just know him as Gordon. I'm going to call him Gordon Gordon. Yeah, Steve Gordon. Uh, Steve Gordon 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 is coming from the tech sector. Um, I'm going to skip ahead to this and tell you how much he's going to make here because it might blow your mind. So almost all the way halfway through this article, uh, his annual salary as DMV director is $186,389. They didn't give us cents, but that's okay. We'll round up. We'll say 59 cents. Um, and his wife supported him in taking the new position, uh, which he's going to have to, A, He's making 186000 bucks. I know that sounds like a lot of money, but the DMV's budget is like $1.3 So that's literally like a drop in the hat. You do the math. So I'm not very good at maths, but I'm saying that's like less than a percent of uh, what the total budget is for the DMV. So like, oh, 186000 Nice they pay this guy. Dude, A, he's coming from the tech sector and he lives in San Jose. I guarantee he's making way more than that in the private sector. He's probably making like half a mil a year or like two you know, upwards of 200,000 bucks a year because that's what it takes to live in uh, like where the misfits live, like Liza and all those guys. Uh, if you don't make 200,000 bucks a year, you're like poverty level. So um, this guy is taking a massive pay cut probably from the from the private sector to go work in the public sector at the DMV of all places. The only worst thing I could think of to work for would be like to work at like the Medicare office or something or like homeless services. Those, those are the two things in California that would just be worse than working for the DMV. Uh, but anyway, he's been on for a month. So this is from August 25th. So uh, I'm going to guess he started in July 25th, somewhere around there. Uh, and he, he was uh, trying to ch- turn the DMV around. We all hate the DMV. It's hard as hell to uh, use half of the stuff, but I did already know. I, I went on it recently and I don't know if this is part of him or not, but I went on recently and the site looks better already. I was like, wow, this looks pretty cool. I was checking to see, cause I have to renew my license this year. My license expires. They're good for like four or five years. Um, and I have to do it this year and I can't just mail it in. They've been using the same picture since like 1900 on my license, just the pencil drawing that the guy did way back then. And it's been convenient because I really 
f- facially haven't changed. Um, so it's kind of nice, you know, uh, that I just been able to do this. But now that you, they need this real ID stuff, not only do I have to submit like my blood type and DNA and all this classified information, I have to take like a, another form of, uh, ID. Now, what the hell other form of ID do I have? I have my birth certificate and then I have my state issued license, which won't be, uh, able to get me my new state issued license. So I don't know what the hell I'm going to take in. I'll probably have to take in, uh, pop out a couple of my teeth and let them do dental records on it. But anyway, uh, also in the, in California, I don't know if this is like with other states, but you know, oh, I don't register. I'm not, I don't register to vote, man. Cause then they get you on jury duty. Like, yeah, yeah, man. And I don't want to do my civic duty as a juror. And I'm all, you know, nobody likes to go down to the county courthouse and listen to some case. Although I have been on jury duty before and it was kind of interesting, crazy criminal case. Um, but I wouldn't want to be on like the OJ trial or anything like that. That's going to last for like years and years and years of that. Who is that Johan Vandersloot kid that like killed Natalie Holloway in the Bahamas and then like, was on trial for 75 years because they couldn't like ever find anything about him. Uh, I would hate to be on one of those because then you're like out of an income for like three years while the case is going on and you can't just say, Hey, I don't want to do this anymore. But going down for like a week, you know, getting off work, getting paid for it. That's okay with me. And all my friends that say, I don't register to vote because then they get you for jury duty. They get it. If you drive, they get it from there, you idiots. So you're skipping out of two civic duties. One, which is being a juror of your peers. You don't want to go in and have professional lawyers go against you. If you ever have to go to court, do you Why don't you have a jury of your peers and B you want to drive, don't you? So if you register your car, uh, they register you to vote, vote, you idiot, and to be on jury duty. So there you go. And that was another problem. People were registering their cars. Let me see. I have some numbers here. Um, it registers. Where's the numbers here on how much we register? Uh, the agency is responsible for licensing 27 million drivers and registering 3. Uh, 35.7 million motor vehicles, including motorcycles. I like that they said including motorcycles. The guy that, or lady that wrote this must must ride. So, uh, because what what else? Like, I mean, you wouldn't put boats and stuff on there, but I'm but the DMV does license boats and trailers and all sorts of stuff. And motorhomes, like they license a lot more stuff than just motorcycles. I think it's cool that they put that on there. Um, but anyway, so that's a lot of people, man. 27 million people and 35.7 million vehicles. Uh, that's a lot of things to keep track of. And when you're doing the motor voter thing and you're responsible for 27 million people's like voting outcomes, uh, that's a big thing to have to tackle as well. And then also, like I said, linking this to jury duty and then uh, driver records and like all this, all this stuff, right? So it's really interesting that this guy is coming in from the private sector, hopefully making things easier. Uh, Gavin Newsom actually wrote a book in 2013 called Citizenville. Um, about changing the government and like reinventing the government and making it more efficient. And in his book, I quote this article from the LA Times, uh, quote, I actually wrote a book with a preamble that said that the DMV is on the leading edge, (laughs) cutting edge, (laughs) I'm sorry, quote, I actually wrote a book with a preamble that said that the DMV is on the leading cutting edge of 1973 end quote. And that's from Gavin Newsom in his 2013 book, Citizenville. Uh, And I have to admit, 
I know the the web wasn't around for the public use in 1973, but the California DMV website sure looked like it was designed back then. So everything from the website to the buildings, it was all so terrible. Um, people are waiting in line. You go there and like, if you ever seen the movie, if you have kids and you saw that movie um, where the animals are like detectives, I forget. Oh, this might be why I get an extra sound. Uh, the animals are detectives. I forget exactly what it was called, but um, like Animal Topia or something. But you remember the sloth working at the DMV? I feel like that's how the real DMV was for a long time. And so they were saying that there was a lot of uh, tardiness and truancy at the DMV, plus like not a lot of training or something like that. And so it was really a uh, lot of problems, a lot of problems. And so I'm kind of stoked that the California DMV is getting an overhaul. Um, Right here it says that, uh, yeah, there's five DMV managers appointed last month by Newsom to shake up the agency, which definitely needed to shake up. And even one of the guys who was the uh, former state chief information officer under uh, Governor Pete Wilson um, back in the day says it's an astute move on the part of the governor to bring in this uh, Gordon fella. Um, so even a guy from the old, uh, old Republican regime is saying, yeah, stuff was crappy then. And it's time to start changing. So hopefully it'll get easier. They're supposedly putting in some kiosks around town, um, around certain locations. They're they're opening stuff on Saturdays, which there's one or two that's open on Saturdays. And if you're in LA and you ever needed one to go to, you go to No Funistan, which is what we call Glendale, because Glendale is like crazy. Um, I don't know. There's just a vibe about Glendale where you, you go there and you feel like you're... <laughs> You just shouldn't have any fun. But they had the nicest DMV, I swear. That's, uh, I think when I finally got Spamela registered, had Spamela for like five years, riding dirty. Um, just kidding. That's alleged. Uh, and uh, when I finally got it registered, it was because it was like I didn't have a title for it. And I, I had a uh, bill of sale. All this crazy hoops I was jumping through when I lived in San Diego. Finally get up to L.A., still jumping through hoops, go to Glendale, and they helped me out. They pointed me in the right direction. They told me what I had to do. They got me lined up, and by God, we got Spamela registered. And now Spamela is good to go, has been good to go for, what, like 15 years now. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it, uh, I hope that with these kiosks and I hope with some of the shakeups and the, and the uh, automated stuff that they're get, still going to keep the ability for you to, like, reason with people because that's one of my biggest complaints about the DMV. You can't reason with anybody, right? So uh, I'm just excited to see if this really takes off and makes it easier, especially for us to uh, people with vintage bikes and cars and smog laws in California. They're exempt after a certain year. Motorcycles are exempt already, so... Um, it's just interesting, like if they're already exempt and there's nothing I got to, uh, you know, I picked this thing up at freaking Long Beach, uh, cycle swap meet this last weekend. Can I please freaking register it? Because like, obviously <laughs> it's, you look it up in your system and it's not stolen, but there's just no paperwork. So you all of a sudden like don't know what to do. Like, come on, use, use your head, use some reason. Also from this August issue, uh, this is going to look go with my next uh where did it go right here this is going to go with my next uh article that i was reading in this month and it's funny they like gave you a little foreshadowing a couple of years before you like that sound you like the sound of an old man like rustling a newspaper on a sunday morning out on the porch screaming get off my lawn uh so anyway here we go south lake tahoe 
Governor Newsom has accused President Trump of trying to scuttle California's strict car emission standards to help the oil industry. He's uh, called Trump pathetic, I guess. You know, Trump calls everyone pathetic, so um, I guess he's getting a little bit of uh, his own medicine thrown back at him. But uh, Trump tweeted something. I have another tweet uh, from the uh, newer article that I'll read to you in a minute. But basically, the idea is that they're helping automobile manufacturers um, is a blown-up myth, basically. They're, they're, uh, you know, Trump was saying that we're... California is going to like undermine safety and customer savings and pass on stuff to customers. That's in the other art. That's highlighted in the other article. But uh, he says, "Man, no one. Uh, this isn't true." Um, it's what. Let me quote this article. No one wants Trump's mileage policy except the oil companies. And what a sad, pathetic state of affairs that they're the ones calling the shots. I think that is true. Uh, I just just telling my kids. Um, the history of the Disneyland monorail. I think Walt Disney was trying to prove that he could electrify uh, Southern California and make like a, a electric public transit available. And you better believe, like, if you look back at California back in the 50s and before, it was like all oil derricks where like all the neighborhoods are now. And there's still a few oil fields here in in LA. I mean, we had the La Brea tar pits for Pete's sake. There's like a bunch of tar under, under the ground here. Um, and you better believe that the big three came down to California and was like, hey, listen, bro. Uh, that ain't happening. So anyway, um, I'm going to pick up my other article because I didn't really read this one well, except that it says that he's uh, kind of given the two fingers, the archer's fingers, if you will, to Trump's policy. Let me grab the other article. All right, I heard there's another article right here, and I have it right in my hot little hands. The Trump administration has a plan to help the auto industry. It wants to obliterate a tough set of Obama-era greenhouse gas emissions requirements set to take effect in 2022 and then shove California regulators aside and assert full federal control over how much pollution motor vehicles are allowed to spew. <sighs> that kind of sounds like a sassy little line there from this... Uh I'm not going to say the author's name, but this is uh, from the Los Angeles Times. Um, yeah, it's true. The industry, uh, only the, the automobile industry only signed on to these agreements in 2009 after the fallout that we had. And I mean, even after 2001, the economy started to waver a little bit. Um, but we still, even in 2000, I can remember Ford, I think, I think it was Bush was saying, hey, Ford, or maybe it was uh, outgoing Clinton, I can't remember, saying, hey, man. We can we uh, like make? I think they said forty percent of your car is electric by the year two thousand, and of course Ford totally missed it. And then like everybody missed it. Everyone's like, yeah, I I read this in like Popular Mechanics or, or Road and Track way back in like nineteen ninety nine. So I can't really remember it that well, but I, I'm pretty sure like Ford had this car called the Ka or something like that over in Europe, and they were going to bring it over, and it's like the Think. You know the Think for Two? It kind of looked that, like that, but I think it was called the Ford Think City or something weird like that. It looked like it was made out of like a little Tykes plastic and it was going to be electric. And I think they even had a, um, a cheeky little uh, write-up in Road and Track where they took it to a, a test and had the guy like try to smog it and he was looking for the exhaust pipe and it didn't exist. Car never happened, right? Fast forward a whole decade, and it's like, all right, well, if you want to get a bailout money, now you will comply with us, and you'll at least lower your stand your greenhouse emissions. Well, that's like the thing, uh, the the flavor du jour of the day, right? Everybody's going electric. Everybody's doing some greenhouse emission stuff. But here's my deal. California, I'm with you on this, and actually four other automakers are as well. 
Um, and it's a Honda, Ford, Volkswagen, and BMW, which account for 28% of the U.S. sales, have signed on to a compromise deal with California to raise mileage and cut emissions. Um, and Trump called these guys at these companies weaklings. I think he should have called them smartlings because here's the deal. Yeah, California ruining everything for everybody. But here's here's another thing that we did. We also made a 50-state vehicle because in the past, and motorcycles still do this to some effect, uh, but it, it's just like a couple things like a canister or a vented fuel cap. Like California, you're not allowed to vent anything to the air. Why? Because if you go back and look at California, even like in 1980, um, I mean, hell, even 1990, it looks like freaking India in the... I don't know if India is getting clean because them and China are trying to go super clean. So this might be a, a totally irrelevant reference now. But I remember seeing pictures of Mumbai where people were just burning tons and tons of trash on the street. And I think this is like in the early 2000s. And like it looked like it was midnight at like one in the afternoon because there was so much smoke in the air. So that's kind of like what LA looked like. And I remember my when I first moved up here, I was going to Pasadena City College. My business teacher was telling me that like in the 80s, you couldn't even see across campus. Now, on even a roughly bad day, I can still see downtown when I'm cruising through Eagle Rock, going to get my hipster latte, you know what I'm saying? So, and I can see downtown from like the 10 um, and the two, and, and when you're coming up like the 57 down to the 210, sometimes there's a big old hill that you can see out to the coast. And it's a good 20 or 40 miles. Like it's not like, it's not like I'm looking right at the coast cause I'm like a mile away. No, it's like a ways and you can see downtown popping up through the, uh, the horizon there. So, I mean, to, to go from not even be able to see like five miles ahead of you to like being able to see downtown from out by, uh, where you guys don't know it is like by where, <laughs> by where Irwindale Speedway is. Um, it's pretty good. I think that's pretty good. It's like 20 miles away that you can see. Um, and on a clear day, gosh, you can see even further. So I think that a lot of this stuff, California has made leaps and bounds and it's, uh, kind of affected other people because everybody else has signed on. I think 14 other states are, have signed on to California emissions, but also, <coughs> excuse me, but also a couple of years ago, we went to 50 state vehicles. Now there's no more like, Hey, we got to make special emissions equipment for California and, then we have 49 state cars everywhere else. I remember my friend's Royal Enfield, uh, when he first got them, you couldn't even ride it here. Um, you had to go buy one from Nevada that had at least 7,000 miles on it and had like a, you know, a bunch of crap and they figured like, uh, you know, and this is motorcycles, cars. I don't even know. Like cars, I'm not hundred percent sure how you, how you move another car to here because, um, Actually, I think I do because they went to a 50-state car, right? So, But motorcycles was a different thing. And now Royal Enfields, you can buy them here because uh, I think in 2014, they're like, dude, we need to get with it. We need to get with Europe and California, which kind of follows the European rules and bringing that stuff over here. Now, this is also why we have the last year of the BUSA being, I think I just told you guys last week, I see it for 2020 on Suzuki's website and they're probably going to have to redesign it in 2021 because it doesn't meet Euro emissions anymore. Well, imagine... I, I would imagine that if they wanted to sell it in California, they would have already been ahead of the uh, curve because they would have been um, trying to match California emissions, which kind of are even less strict than Euro emissions, right? So it's pretty interesting. And um, there's a growing international policy revolt against internal combustion engines. We know this because in 2016, I told you about it, when BMW and Volvo and uh, I think Volkswagen said that they were moving away almost all of specifically German and like, uh, the 
area around Germany, I think it's called Europe, they are going away from, uh, they're trying to go all electric. So, I mean, they still have to make cars for the U.S. and Australia and places that aren't, but they're they're quickly moving to all electric. So, I don't know if all electric is like the cleanest power, but I do know that uh, that's what people perceive, and so that's why the push. And in the meantime, uh, I want to go f- skip forward in this uh, article here. It was huge. It was really huge. Um, and it uh, So, okay, first off, when Trump was calling people foolish executives for kowtowing to the uh, emission standard, passing costs on to customers, um, one of the things it says is that, uh, A, they can avoid some legal strife and uncertainty because now they don't have to make a car for every different market. They can make a one-nation car, and they can be sold in every single state. Voila, that problem solved, no double tooling. But also, uh, they aren't actually getting... You know, they aren't, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, Um, relinquishing safety. I mean, they're still just as safe as ever. The safety has nothing to do with the fuel economy, uh, except for the fact that you can't make heavier vehicles. But heavier vehicles aren't necessarily safer vehicles. Now, vehicles are getting made out of like lightweight aluminum, high-strength aluminum, rather than high-strength steel. Um, But I talked about this in bikes. Like as bikes get more stuff on them, like ABS, and that's a little module. I mean, it's not much bigger than a than a handheld camera, but, um, the ABS modules aren't that big, but they do add some weight. The extra fluid adds weight, um, add 49 different ECUs for like IMUs and, and, uh, you know, like the new Harley Davidson rider, uh, safety system. I, I wonder how much weight that adds. You know what I'm saying? Every little module adds a little bit of weight for all you weight weenies out there. Um, and to keep the bikes making the same horsepower, I think you've noticed over the last two years, engine sizes have been going up and horsepower hasn't been going up that much. Uh, but to keep the same power, we're like power hungry right now. Right. And so it's like, man, I want to, I want my motorcycle to be fast, but I also want to get like 80 miles to the gallon, like Spamala, 72 miles per gallon. The trade-off, I can't do hundred miles an hour. Like that's the, that's the one trade-off. And I only have a three gallon tank, but I, it can make it further than my friggin' 950 can. My 950 gets like f- half, it gets like 40 miles to the gallon or something like that. Spamala gets 72 miles to the gallon. So put that in your hat and smoke it. And for the most part, I do like 65, 70 on the freeways around here, just jamming around town, and it's totally fine. So do I need a 950? No, it will be, it'll be nice to be able to keep up with traffic uh, and all these people in these new cars that are more efficient because of the uh, the things that we've been, the cafe standard that we've been increasing every year. And if you don't know what that means, the cafe is corporate average fuel economy, which means some people are trying to make hybrids. There are hybrid electrics out there that get like 400 miles a gallon. Um, and then you can offset that by having a truck that only gets 17 miles a gallon. But figures right here from Ford uh, is that they are making their F-150 fuel efficiency has improved 50% from an average of 14 miles per gallon for the V8 engines to 21 miles per gallon with the V6. And at the same time, it got the V6 makes more horsepower and has a better towing capacity. So there's an upside to everything getting more efficient and more, uh, you know, having these rules in place, people have to make stuff more efficient. And as a result, I mean, it does cost for tooling and stuff like that, but, uh, Trump was saying that, uh, you know, what right here, they ditching feature requirements will save customers hundreds to thousands of dollars per vehicle. Um, but that's the consumer report says, Hey, you know, and what they make up in fuel savings, 
making these things more efficient will uh, more than make up for like a couple thousand dollars sticker price. Like what you pay in fuel, the, the few thousand dollars that you pay in fuel on a, on a bigger vehicle will make up for the like couple thousand dollars in, that you use in fuel on these more efficient vehicles. So I thought that was really interesting. There's a couple more things I want to touch base on right here before we move on to the next subject. Oh my God, that is me stretching my brain because I just can't take it anymore. Um, but I'm going to keep pushing on here real quick, partially because it has to do with some of the stuff I want to talk about later. So got to do it. Sorry, folks. Stick around for the most boring show you've ever listened to on a Friday. Uh, I did want to say that everybody is looking at General Motors and Fiat Chrysler and Toyota, because if they kind of switch over, it'll make it a lot harder for the White House, the current administration to say, hey, this are, these things are necessary. And a lot of these people state that they want, like I said earlier, you make a 50-state vehicle, they want less, um, I don't know, they just want like some predictability, you know what I'm saying? And so they might like to see that too. Plus, look at this. Uh, Negotiations in the last days of the Bush administration helped the Obama administration uh, set these aggressive standards. Listen to what they're saying. They could they say that they would boost mileage for consumers. That's us, folks, from 30 miles per gallon for cars and 24 for trucks to 44 for cars. No. For light trucks to a car truck combined 44 uh, in 2020, 2021, that's like next year after next, and 54.5 miles per gallon in 2025. So, uh, yeah, uh, it's, I mean, that's cool. I mean, 54 miles per gallon, that's even better than my stupid motorcycle gets. Why are motorcycles exempt from smog in California? Well, and in most states, it's a long drawn out thing but for the longest time it was because they were more efficient per gallon of gas due to their lighter weight they could uh travel a longer distance making them more efficient the same reason probably they were giving all these ev vehicles in california i don't know if they did this in other states but you could have access to the carpool lane that was part of a subsidy instead of having to have a buy a fast pass or have more people in the car with you you're trying to do better things for the state. So they would let you go in the carpool lane. Um, and motorcycles, I'm afraid that like, you know, they actually, I read somewhere a long time ago when I, you know, was into cars and and uh, emissions and all that stuff like 5,000 years ago, um, that motorcycles actually pollute more than cars. So we got to be real careful about this, about how we handle this sort of stuff and the things that we don't want them uh, to push for. Uh, but some more figures here. Um, California, after that, uh, you know, the bailout and the, the uh, uh, agreement, I think it was like in 2011 or something like that, it made a 50-state harmonic resolution so people don't have to worry about, as I mentioned before, making different cars for different markets and all the electronics and programming and different engine sizes that goes along with all that crap. You can just have like one basic set of... Um, of options, um, the I think I already mentioned that uh, we get. Did, I, I think I mentioned this before. I, I think I I don't think I recorded this, but 
Um, when you the the four car companies that signed with California actually get concessions on their carbon uh, based credits, which carbon emissions credits, um, a lot of times if you have a plant or a company here in California that doesn't emit anything, you get credits for that. And you can sell those credits to other companies that pollute a little bit because you're balancing each other out. And uh, so, I mean, these companies are like getting extra credits for making less emissions. Um, 1970, a law, I think I already told you that 14 other states already adopt California stuff. And in 1970, Richard Nixon, um, who everybody, you know, not coming from, I'm not a like tree hugging hippie liberal, by the way. Um, I'm, but Richard Nixon was a, not a Democrat either. He's a Republican. He's the guy that made the Clean Air Act. So I hate how everybody always like blames California on this stuff. If you've ever been to San Francisco, actually, it's like one of the most disgusting, filthiest cities ever. Hashtag probably like one of the most liberal or well, I don't know if it's actually the most liberal. But anyway, like there's such a uh, to me, this is getting a little off topic here of all this, but there's such a disparity between like what people think is like looking forward and like conservative people that want to, uh, people that want to like preserve the environment and do better things. Like I come from a beautiful state in the country and it's so beautiful out there. I don't want that to get ruined. So that's kind of why I'm down with like making stuff more efficient and spew out less gas, um, or less, uh, carbon emissions. So that's why I'm, I'm in this and I'm kind of stoked that everybody's going this way. Also, it makes sense if you're a car manufacturer and you have a feeling that everybody's going to be going electric anyway. And there's companies like Electrify America, that are um, like basing, you know. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this article out. We don't need this anymore. But I will say that one last thing. Blah 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 blah. Yep. Nope. It's good. I'm gonna throw this out. We we don't need to hear any more about it. I'm sick of talking about it. By the way, now too. Um, I will just note that that article also st- stated that everybody can see like uh, as a socially. Um, whether or not it's real or not, a perception is that everything's going to electric because electric's cleaner. I think we should invest in hydrogen. That was one of, uh, oddly enough, one of Bill Clinton's um, legacies, like kind of an unspoken thing. He was known for a lot of things, like smoking some dirty cigars, by the way, hashtag and inhaling uh, pot on the rooftop of the Kremlin. I don't know what he was known for, but um, a lot of things that he is not known for, similar to... Uh, other presidents who have like a legacy that kind of travels on with them afterwards was he was he wanted to establish hydrogen highways across the country. He was like, you know, EV wasn't really a thing then, but we were already messing around with hydrogen. So he's like, yeah, we need to get some hydrogen highways, alternative fuels, stuff like this across the country. So way back in his presidency, which ended in what, like ninety eight, it uh, or was it ninety eight? I can't remember, but um, yeah, I think his ended in ninety eight. Um, or 99, he was already back then, like, you know, is that already been like 20 years ago saying we need to get on the hydrogen train. A lot of guys that have written into this show before have been like, Hey, listen, Honda's developing like a hydrogen based motorcycle. Like they're kind of working on it right now as much as they are electric. Right. Cause nobody knows it's like beta and, and VHS right now. Nobody really knows what the wave of the future is going to be. And nobody really knows what's cleaner. Cause a lot of people, I think Wiggins included will tell you that they have a feeling that um, making electricity is pretty bad for the environment because you have to burn coal or you have to heat up water, which kills fish and bacteria and every like 
thing in the biosphere around the, the hydro power plant, you know. Um, I don't know if they've fixed that or if that's like an old thing, but I know that was a thing for a while that there is pollution, even if it's not chemical pollution in the form of like radiant energy and heat and all that stuff that kills off the environment in that part of the water where they're using, where they're making um, hydroelectric power and burning coal makes just as much. But here's the thing. We're already burning coal for our houses and stuff. Like, what do you think we're doing? You know, like all these windmills and stuff out there, electric cars, uh, are pretty new compared to all these windmill farms and solar farms like the ones we have out here in the deserts of California. Um, electric cars are basically a new thing that we just, like it's a new accessory that we slapped into our electric grid, right? It's like getting a motorcycle and having all this great shit and now you slap a new uh, iPod thing into it or something like that, you know, like an MP3 player port. Yeah, I'm adding this to my already existing electrical um stator and if you listen to our episode a couple weeks ago you'll know that that's going to burn it out because there's not enough capacity so i mean i guess in a way we are making more emissions by having to create more energy but at the same time we've already been making we've been burning coal and doing water and electric uh wind power and solar power to get it so blah 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 all this stuff coming on so I, i even lost my own train of thought on this but i'm just saying uh, it is interesting whether or not it's true. Uh, the hydrogen thing versus the electric thing. I think we're at a crux right now. I think that's where I was going with this whole thing. Um, and right now electric cars are just kind of a brand new thing on the electric, uh, load basically. Um, and speaking to that, uh, there's a lot of, um, China, crazy amount of electric motorcycle companies and car companies coming on over there at a super subsidized price because we know how China works. Um, they kind of keep everything super cheap. I mentioned what well, had to be last year that they have uh, uh, two cars that look like Mazdas for $5,000 US and the other one is $7,000 US. That's less than a motorcycle. And I'm not sure the range. I'm not sure any of that crap. But the fact that you can buy one if there's infrastructure to support that, dude, even if you just drive it around the city, it's less than buying a moped, basically. Because uh, even mopeds are a few thousand bucks, right? And maintenance on them because you got to repair them more. Electrical Electric cars are similar to electric bikes where there's wear items, but maintenance, I don't think there's a whole lot of maintenance. So I don't know. It's very interesting to me. Same newspaper, the LA Times. That's all I get. I don't know why I'm telling you all this other stuff. Um But the LA Times had another article I just read it last night speaking to this whole electric thing and uh, the electric future. Um, Porsche coming out with the Taycan and uh, they basically want to uh, take on Tesla, right? But from what I've seen, Tesla has already blown... This this, uh, article that I read was from a little while ago and Tesla has already blown the Taycan's numbers out of the water. So (laughs) Porsche is already in trouble uh, I'm going to pause this real quick and tell you why. Yeah, I'm going to tell you something right here. This is all going from last night's memory, so I hope this is adequate, and I hope it's accurate. But then again, refer to the disclaimer at the beginning of the show. This could just be my opinion. Maybe none of it's fact. But uh, the the Porsche Taycan, a new uh, car coming out from Porsche, if my memory serves me correctly, the numbers are one. $165,000 for like the slow one, which goes zero to 60 in less than a Harley live wire. And then, uh, I think it's 185,000 bucks for the twin engined one. And they're calling it a turbo, which is really stupid because it's an electric car. Electric don't have turbo. Even if they did, uh, 
there's no exo- exhaust power uh, gas to power it, so I don't know where they're getting the turbo power from. But um, yeah, so the Taycan, the more expensive one that's like nearly two hundred thousand bucks, which for a lot of you is a uh, outright house purchase, um, especially those of you that were just uh, in some areas affected by tornadoes that house housing is probably real cheap right now. Uh, yeah. I mean, you're, we're talking like a, it's a Porsche first of all. So it's a niche market. It's kind of like the, um, what is that? There's a stupid, uh, there's a really stupid, um, electric motorcycle that's going for like 156,000 bucks right now. It's like the Voltus or something like that. It's like ridiculous, right? So Porsche already is a niche market. They're now, uh, their Taycan is going to be like the price of a GTR or something like that. 185,000 bucks. Yeah, I think, I guess you could buy your Porsche Taycan or, which kind of sounds too much like Toucan for me, or you could buy your uh, Honda R213 VS, whatever the friggin' RC213 VS, I think is what the... um, the Honda rep, the Honda like MotoGP street replica is right, which they're probably all sold out of anyway. But anyways, we're talking like crazy super collector bike or just a regular car. And the Tesla Model S already beats their fastest. the the uh, The hundred eighty five thousand dollar one goes zero to sixty in like two point four seconds or two point six seconds. Two point six. Tesla Model S goes zero to sixty in two point four seconds and it's like a hundred thousand dollars cheaper or maybe even more than that so already tesla hasn't beaten and i just saw tesla uh go around the nurburgring uh saw a video of it just the other day and it looks like they're whooping on porsche's butt uh, on porsche's home territory uh but elon musk likes to do crazy stuff like that and like i said i'm not an elon musk fanboy but uh there is a lot of stuff that I think is happening that's good with that. And Porsche being part of uh, Volkswagen Audi and all that stuff, we all know they, uh, they're they not doing too well. They have to go ahead and uh, get rid of all their uh, internal combustion engines, whether they be diesel or gas. <laughs> and the reason they have to do that is because they've proven that they can't pass emissions tests without cheating on any of their stuff. So Dieselgate... And uh, whatever, the, it wasn't just Dieselgate. That was the big one. But uh, Volkswagen also owns Audi and Porsche, right? Is Porsche part of that? I think they are. Um, and so, hey, we're going to, we have to go electric. And BMW and Seat Skoda, which is also owned by VW. Um, I'm trying to think of who else is over there. BMW, uh, Mercedes, that's who it is. Mercedes and... Um, all that stuff. They're probably like shaking in their boots because they're like, oh crap, like we went and had lunch with the VW guys. They told us what they were doing. Now we got to worry about this crap. Oh no. Um, and so everybody's going electric. Everybody wants to go electric. And uh, in Europe, see, this is the part where when I was talking earlier about California, those of you in Europe, you don't even care because you've already had like motorcycles and cars over a certain age or certain year, I should say outlawed from your cities and pretty soon they're talking about outlawing internal combustion bikes and cars altogether. so you guys could give two ham-fisted ass whaps is that a real thing oh yeah i just looked it up on the internet a ham-fisted ass whap means to give a care so you guys could give two ham-fisted ass whaps about emissions period because you guys are already going electric right in most parts um so basically, uh, all this other stuff that everybody's doing is uh, just right up your alley. And I think that's great for you. But I, what I can say is, 
Yeah, it's going to cost somebody some money. It's going to cost the consumer some money in these new cars. Good news, though. I, I uh, just re- was reading the Livewire stuff yesterday. And, you know, Porsche, not Porsche, VW, VW, um, they have uh, a company that they started with, I think, a little bit of help from BMW and maybe Nissan. Uh, the Electrify America is was a spinoff of the Volkswagen Audi Corp that came over here as part of Dieselgate and as part of the reparations and all the billions of dollars that they have to pay around the globe to everybody for messing up the environment. They had to, part of the thing was, our deal is we have to, we have to do something, some way to give back. So we're going to do it. We have to do it in the form of like cleaner emissions. So we're going to do with uh, infrastructure. And we've already been talking about from episode number four, I've already been talking about the internet of things like uh, cooperative uh, intelligent transportation, like the way we interact with stuff, vehicle to vehicle communications, all that great stuff. Well, now add to that fray um, infrastructure for electric, for uh, electrifying the the world, and so uh, and electrifying America. And exactly, the company is called Electrify America. On the Livewire site, if you go there, you can see that Electrify America is sponsoring, uh, thanks to negotiations with Harley Davidson. I'm assuming. Two, I think it said 200, no, I think it said 500 kilowatt hours of energy or two years of free charging. That's an incentive to you. So now imagine buying a car, uh, imagine buying an old crappy car before all these things that California made them do back when they were getting 17 miles per gallon. Let's go back 10 years when gas prices were like four bucks a gallon here. I'm assuming they were close to four around the rest of the country because they were close to five here. And imagine that you're getting free gas now because somebody screwed up and, and wouldn't that just be awesome? You know, wouldn't free gas now be awesome? I mean, it's like to fill my car up, depending on who's bombing who overseas and what, uh, natural disaster has messed up oil here or there. Um, the gas is like between almost like 395 down to three, I think it's like 340 right now or something like that. So it's a huge, pretty big fluctuation when you're talking about, uh, filling up like a 20 gallon tank, like on a truck or something. Luckily my car only has a 12 gallon tank. So I, I roughly know I'm going to be paying 30 to 40 bucks depending on what gas is. Um, but wouldn't it be nice to get free, uh, buy it, buy not only feel like you're doing something better for the environment, but get free charging, you know? So I don't know. There's a whole bunch of incentives that are coming on board to get people away from, uh, emissions and, you know, all this crazy stuff. I think, I think right now, everything that's going on in the White House needs to quit thinking so much about other industries like the oil industry and stuff like that. Because we, you know, what we need, we still we're not going to have electric airplanes, that's for sure. And I don't think we're going to be having electric fire trucks and stuff like that, just because we need generators to pump. I mean, the, the onboard pumps and stuff, I don't want you to run out of a battery. And I know I know they wouldn't. I know fire departments wouldn't. But in an emergency situation, those guys are ready for everything. They probably have like a weird alien gem that they pop in there or some weird chicken egg they can put in there. Oh, why did I say that? Because I've been watching too many video games. That's why. But anyway, they probably have some weird – you can probably run a fire truck off different stuff if you don't have – gasoline available or diesel available or electricity available, right? There's, I'm sure they think of stuff just like the military does. Hopefully they do. Oh God, you guys, I'm really putting a lot into you. If you don't have all this stuff, please let me know. But what I'm saying is that most people that are prepared in other industries are still going to need the oil. We're still going to need it for planes. And actually, if maybe if we take a lot of the um, cars off the road that use uh, internal combustion, 
and only keep the older ones that like can't uh, be modified, right? Hopefully we will be, uh, maybe it'll make planes flights cheaper. I don't know, you know, or maybe it'll let the, uh, the airline industry like make more efficient gas. So they don't, you know, it doesn't cost as much to fill up a plane. I can only imagine that a plane has like a 5 billion gallon gas tank and, uh, how much that must cost to fill up with av gas, which is usually like double the price of, uh, car gas for, uh, or petrol if you're not from, uh, the United States. Um, so anyway, yeah, we still need oil to make plastics. We still need oil, like all your fairings on your bike probably has some amount of oils in it and the plastic bags that you carry home, they're, they're illegal in California. You can't have plastic bags anymore. I don't think anywhere, um, or drinking straws. You have to drink out of these weird paper straws now that are biodegradable and they taste like they're biodegradable and everything that you suck through them now tastes like it's biodegradable. But, uh, you know, that's why I don't use a straw, but, um, yeah, like in the other plastics, uh, they use oils, plastic bags, I guess, for everywhere else. Uh, if you're not in, in a state that is outlawing them, uh, are made of plastics. Like oil is used for quite a lot of stuff. It's probably used in cosmetics. They probably use it on Subway sandwiches. I mean, they've used a, a various different things in Subway sandwiches. Um, so I'm just saying, there's still going to be a need for these industries. Oil, people, I feel for you. You're not going away until like all the oil has been fracked out of the earth and the earth splits in two because it's all dried up. I wonder if oil is like the glue that's holding earth together and we're unknowingly like <laughs> sucking it out. <laughs> but um, the sucky thing about all this is that there won't be that radical sound that we're used to. You know, I can go, I'll go down to the drag strip tonight and record some stuff for you if you don't know what an internal combustion engine sounds like. Um, if you don't, you're very sad. You're a sad person, and you, uh, you're probably deaf, and you're not listening to this anyway, so... I like your shirt. Um, but yeah, the, the cool thing is, is that I have listened to some, uh, I, I was on the Moto, uh, had the opportunity, uh, even though Moto One Podcast Network kicked me out of my own studio and I'm, I'm actually recording to you behind a dumpster right now. That's why I have to keep taking breaks. The freaking trash trucks keep coming and this guy next to me keeps throwing away paint buckets. So sorry if you can hear all that banging around. But um, yeah, the, uh, the Moto One uh, Podcast Network heroes of the day, the Nokomoto podcast, they were watching the Moto E when I called into them and over the clanging of a bunch of, uh, pie tins and paint cans getting thrown away and a few raccoons fighting over some food scraps, I could hear the Moto E, uh, Moto GP rounds, right? And this bike sounds pretty sweet, dude. I like the sound and I actually like I've watched Formula E race cars a couple times. I got to tell you, those things are pretty sweet too. Like it doesn't really take away from it for me. And if you're if you're watching TV anyway, like they don't have those things mic'd up half the time. You know what I'm saying? So you're just sitting there like, all right, uh, I'm listening to the commentator kind of like you're listening to me right now, right? So it, it could be anything. <laughs> it could be like, and here comes so-and-so. Yeah, there he goes. And here comes this guy down the track. And there he goes. Like they could be pumping in sounds already. You don't know. You know what I'm saying? So, um, but at any rate, where was I going with this? Oh yeah, the oils and the, and the electrics and all the stuff coming on board. The Porsche Taycan being a sucky car and Electrify America giving you free money, uh, basically free charging. 
if you buy a Harley Davidson. I can only imagine that they would not partner with anybody else unless it's Honda. So Honda, please get the stupid electric bikes coming. You've had them for, I know you've had them. I've seen them. You showed me them. I wasn't supposed to say anything about, wait, who's knocking on the door right now? Oh my God. Um, anyway, strike that, strike that Honda. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I just, I want to see some more stuff coming on board. I want us all to get some, I want us all to get on board with this so we can quit arguing about it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and in other news, um, I'm going to be doing like a little thing on 1989 here pretty soon. It gets pretty, pretty dark, but, uh, it involves some of the stuff I'm about to tell you right now. I was just reading Electrek. I read that quite a bit now because they seem to know what's coming up before any of us do. We're like, yeah, oh man, Harley Davidson will never make an electric motorcycle. And then like five years ago, we said that. And now, psh, Livewire, hi. And psh, all these other little electric mountain bikes and stuff they're doing. So uh, I think I'm going to start listening to what other people say in other industries because it seems to be coming true. Uh, despite uh, the amount of denial that you want to put on stuff. So uh, you can tell me what what people aren't going to do here and there, but I probably won't listen to you. And I better quit talking right now. There's somebody knocking on my door. Oh, geez. <laughs> Dart to the neck. <laughs> um, but yeah, in other news, uh, Libya, not Libya, Iran, of all places, the people who started uh, you know, OPEC and the whole reason we had the oil shortage in the 70s and the reason we forced a country that was pretty liberal to go pretty conservative to the point where like i don't know we're, they're just now getting around to being what we consider modern human rights but uh, they're still about 80 years behind even now supposedly uh are bombing oil fields in saudi arabia with drones or something like that i just read an article uh online on uh, electric that was talking about that and also um, I just read in the, this paper when I was digging around for all this, uh, California emissions and DMV stuff. Well, I flipped to the back page. Why is it on the back page that Iran is uh, ramping up their plutonium capabilities and uranium making, I, unless they're making like the world's biggest battery for like the world's biggest electric car. Cause Iran wants to be like that viral dude on the internet. I think we got a problem here, people. And the fact that they're getting a little more hostile with, uh, you know, with everything. And I hate paying more for gas when they're blowing up oil fields in Saudi Arabia or a friggin' uh, storm hits the Gulf or something like that, or a refinery catches on fire in New Jersey. One more reason to go electric. I mean, I'm sure batteries are just as dangerous as gas in certain situations, but come on, at least the prices... Fluctuate. I totally did not mean to do that. I don't know who's here. Who just rang my doorbell? Uh, hmm, nobody's at the front door. <laughs> yeah, there's a lumberjack here. All right. Next thing I wanted to talk about. Oh, I had a listener. I had an email. Email from Matt uh, at my motorbike obsessions, kicking it over there in J-Pan. Matt, what's up, bro? Hello. Well, I guess this is the part of the show where I realize that uh, when people write you an email, it doesn't talk back to you. So I guess I better I better read this. So he's sitting outside his house uh, in J-Pan there. He said it's been a big week. I won't go through all the details because uh, he's 
sent me his uh, credit card information and social security number. You guys don't need to know that. But it did say that a Category 3 hurricane blew over the base. He's he's on base there in uh, Nagasaki. I don't know where he is. I just made that up. Um, but, yeah, he's um, had a Category 3. Speaking of uh, natural disasters messing with your fuel, fuel prices, I know in Japan they sell gas to you also by the chopstick, right, or something like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, so he's, he's been jamming around the base, uh, trying to get that all taken care of. Um, his dad came from Florida to get away from the hurricane. I'm guessing that happened in Florida. And then he goes to Japan. He gets hit by a category three hurricane. Uh, I hope he doesn't work by Fukushima. If you remember Fukushima, that's another, that's a nuclear power station that got wrecked by a, a tsunami, right? And an earthquake. So, um, Oh, and mysteriously, Casey Stoner quit racing that year, didn't he? Oh, my God. Starting to put things together in my head years later. Um, But anyway, he says, how's that new bike? He's jonesing to ride because with a Category 3 hurricane and being in Japan, learning karate and all that stuff, he is uh, has almost zero free time. Plus, he has a three-year-old. Anybody with a three-year-old has almost zero free time. But he asks, how's the new bike treating you? He's like this bike since it came out. Everybody has. Thanks, thanks, Matt. Everybody likes this bike. Um, he loves the FZ1 that he has, but it's so much bike that I never get to use it at its full potential, except for that time at Willow Springs with Wiggins. Um, the SCR seems like a nice, relaxing ride that would be fun to put around on, and the dealers probably won't have any left by the time I get back to the States. I'm relying on you to ride it vicariously for me. Take it easy, dude. Looking forward to the next show. But you, you won't be looking forward to this one. This is going to be a pretty sucky show, uh, in my opinion. But, uh, yeah, the SCR is fun. Uh, the SCR is great. The SCR is the bike that I choose to flagrigate. I'm looking for a word that rhymes with gate. Anyway, um, <laughs> that I choose to ride out the gate. How's that? Uh, for some crappy haiku, which is Japanese for five, five, seven, five, seven. Um, yeah, Matt, no, the, the SCR is fun to, to cruise around on. I have to say it's basically like a gigantic Spamela. Um, what's going on here? Oh my God. Yeah. That was for my last, that, even the sound effects are late on this show. That was for my last joke five minutes ago. Um, it is fun for putting around. And I see a lot of them. I follow SCR, the uh, tag SCR950 on Instagram. And I see a lot of them over in Japan specifically um, and Asia. And I'm wondering if it's because of the horsepower the, or the lack thereof uh, that it maybe is not... I don't know. It, it's weird because I thought in Japan everything was uh, kind of capped at 400cc and um, I'm not 100% sure if that's true or not because I know that they also have horsepower limits and it might just be that thing where uh, Europe does it too. They do tiered licensing, but not everybody goes by CC. Sometimes they go by horsepower limits and as we'll see in a few minutes, even back in the 80s, they were making some 250s that were like, uh, had more than 40 <laughs> horsepower. So... Yeah, this thing or fifty horsepower. This thing's this thing's right about fifty, and I don't know. Um, that's a perfect horsepower for me to cruise around on. It's the horsepower that most old Harleys had. It's the horsepower that like a lot of the Sportsters have, uh, and 
you look at a lot of bikes that have uh, roughly between that horsepower and they're all fun to cruise, whether they're ADV bikes. I think the NC750, doesn't that thing have 40 horse, maybe uh, something like that? But yeah, there's a lot of bikes with, with the, not 40, 50, 50 horse that um, that are just fun. I mean, I don't know. It, it is a, it's been a really fun bike to cruise around. It'll do, I'm not legally allowed to say what it will do. But um, I'm sure it will go even faster if I mess around with it, which I'm not going to. It's fine just how it is. I really like it. It's comfortable. Uh, I was just talking to some people the other day about it. Uh, this guy called MotoGP and this other nerd called Swiggy. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Uh, and like how it's a little too easy to scrape peg on, but it's also kind of nice for just cruising and not leaning it over far enough to scrape peg. So I'm, I'm down with either one. Uh, I really can't wait to take it off into some dirt. Um, that's the only thing I haven't done. I've seen some dirt and was like tempted to go run real quick, but I, of course it was while I was doing, um, 80 on the freeway. I'm not just going to pull off while I'm en route somewhere and go bomb around for like five minutes and then get back on the freeway and be like, eh. like, great. I don't do that sort of stuff. I plan my days. I see some dirt. I come back to it and poach it later. Yeah. All right. Uh, what else was I going to say? That's probably it. We, we, we do need to take a little break here. I do need to, um, preface my next part of the show because I pre-recorded it when I was drunk and it was very late and I was sleepy. So I might need to go back and listen to some of this, but, uh, I do want to take a quick break right now. We're going to go to some traffic and uh some baffic you ever heard of baffic it's this new stuff they have in europe it's great for you and catch you on the flip side thanks junkie yeah this is gary canary in sky 600 the yellow chopper over la well if you're headed uh, west on the 405 you're gonna find backups from downtown all the way down into culver city and out on if you're heading east on the 405, you're going to find the same, and north and south on the 405 as well. 101 PCH backed up from Normandy over to Clements. If you're headed south on the 101 through downtown, you're going to find the right lanes blocked by a commuter bus that's overturned. And uh, if you're in the express lane, you're fine, but the fast lane, 1, 2, 3, 3, and 4, all blocked. Uh, if you're headed west on the 105, down through the 110 to the 197 north, you're going to look for uh, slowing on the right-hand side, but if you stay to the left, you should be fine all the way up into the 118, going over to the 14, back around through the 2, down to the 197. If you're on the 57 headed west, things look great down to Santa Ana, but if you're coming east, it's backed up from Mountain all the way to Bellflower. Going into downtown now, heading uh, south on the 91, looking terrible. Uh, east on the 91, not too bad, but if you're headed west on the 10 or the 60, it's back-to-back, bumper-to-bumper, all the way from San Rafael out to who knows where the fuck you are. I don't know if you can hear me, Chunky or anyone else, 
I don't know if you can hear me, this is an SOS. Me and Sweetie are here at no Nokomoto headquarters and we're being held down. We're taking fire. I'm pretty sure it's the Clodman's outside. Sweetie, he's on the balcony over there. Reload, reload. I don't know how much time I have left. You know our coordinates. Send help if you can. Oh my God, I think they're breaking through. That, oh my God, it's Mama Clodman. I'm Mama Clodman. And I say no more pickle podcasts for you. Take this. Take this, you bitty bitch. Zapper, zapper, we got him. Whapper, we got him. We got everything you need for your off-road adventure this summer at Nathan's Power Sports Village in Durston. Brakes, we got those. Tires, we got those. Seat belts for your motorcycles, we got those. Visit us down at Nathan's Power Sport Village. Just these, Durston. Durston, baby, I've been there. Durston, <laughs> more like dirt's fun. Ah, that didn't make any sense. All right, welcome back. This is the second part of the creative crappy motorcycle podcast. I hope you hanged around this long. I hope I didn't bore you with that first half. Uh, if I did, email the show, creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com. Submit a spooky story to that email address, and we'll each go our separate ways. How's that? Only you might win a prize. I might lose a listener. I have a lot more to lose than you guys do. Uh, so let's get into the second half of the show here, and I want to call this part... Uh, what do I want to call this? I've been trying to think of what I want to call this all day. I kind of wanted to call it 1989 because didn't have Smashing Pumpkins have a song called that? 1989? Maybe that was 1979. But um, yeah, I I wanted. I was thinking about 1989, man. I remember this year vividly. Why? And then I was thinking about it. So much crap happened in 1989. Plus you get nostalgic. Plus it was 30 years ago this year. And I thought maybe we should step back, see what was happening around the world. I like to think about it in this way, just like the way I like to think about in 10 years from now, if everything's freaking electric and we're all complaining about it, how range anxiety sucks, but it won't because, listen, by then, they will have figured out how to quick charge something in five minutes, right? So we need to get better at all this stuff, but uh, we'll look back and go, man, how did this all come about? And we'll say, well, in 2019, there was like a vehement uh, abhorrence for... Uh, <laughs> by the president at the time for uh, to undo all the stuff they'd been doing since 1970 and blah, 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 all this crap, right? So to look back and go, why did motorcycles change drastically like after 2022? Well, back in 2019, people were like, hey, man, like everything's going to California screwing it up for everyone in the United States and then the rest of the world, Dieselgate, and then voila. We, and, you know, we have this little slice of history that's shaped by other world events that are happening. So I thought... Can we go back to 1989? Can we look and see what was happening in the world and maybe uh, correlate it to a motorcycle? If not, and I really couldn't. I didn't do good enough research on it. Um, but really, I just thought it's interesting to go back and look what, what was hot, who was up and coming in 1989, and think about what the hell was happening in the rest of the world. So here is my little ditty called 1989. Quick forward, quick mention. I, I know, another thing, right? You probably all want to punch me in the face, but I do have to tell you one thing. When I edit this show, I listen in like one and a half speed. 
And uh, I'm going to do that to you guys here so you don't have to listen to this whole thing. Uh, it's going to cut a few minutes off. You're going to appreciate it. So I'm out of here. All right. Just a warning. It may sound fast like a chipmunk to you, but that's how I like it. All right. All right, the world is coming together. It's 1989, everybody. We're going to party like it's 1999. Thanks, Prince. Uh, so, what's going on, babes and uh, guys? It is a uh, crazy time right now. Why do I remember this year so vaguely and so vividly? Now I remember. It's the year the Berlin Wall came down. But not just the Berlin Wall, my friends. Here's a couple other things that happened in 1989. In Japan, one of the places where a lot of people of us, uh, a lot of people of us get our motorcycles of us. huh? So Japan, Emperor Hirohito dies and Hakuhito succeeds his son. Akihito succeeds him. I almost said succeeds him, but he didn't succeed. He succeeded him. In the United States, George H.W. Bush, uh, Bush first, Bush senior as he became known, becomes president. Brazil ends 30 years of military rule. We forgot about Brazil. We think Brazil's like where all the uh, the big booty hot ladies and carnival happens and Ronaldinho and soccer and all that great stuff, right? And the rainforest burning. We don't think about Brazil being a military state, but it was. And F.W. de Klerk was elected president and starts to dismantle apartheid in the state of South Africa. Well, the free state of South Africa, the country of South Africa, right? So that happened. Also, this is funny, the world... Well, world's first internet service for per, internet service provider emerges. It's called the world, ironically, or well, maybe not ironically. Maybe they meant to do that. Uh, and then the World Wide Web is uh, started begun being talked about. They were trying to decide what to call it. Um, you know, the guy that invented the web, or like as we know it, his name was Tim, but he thought we should call it the, the information mine. And then he's like, you know what, Tim, the information mine. That's kind of that's too cheesy. That's too meta, baby. And uh, so he decided not to call it that. But anyway, the America Online and. Um, CompuServe had given us email at the time, but not actual like access to webs and websites and all that stuff. So we had access to like email servers, but not actual websites. So 1989, first ISP in the USA, the world is what it was called. Um, also Europe. This is a crazy time in Europe, and this is what I remember about 1989. I remember being a, a skirt birder. I love my skirt birding. I skateboarded all the time, and at school I played um, Oregon Trail on the IBM. 128k computer how come we could get away with 128 kilobytes then and we can't even make a picture of that of that now like that's more than like a thumbnail on a phone well because everything was a green screen and it was only text that's why uh but here europe revolutions led to the fall of i put the ussr but it was the iron curtain in general it was communism in general and as Reagan famously said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down that wall. It literally happened in 1989. So that was partially why I remember it. Because even th- when, you're, when you're a kid and you're into skirt burden and playing Oregon Trail on the computer, um, and you see a Thrasher magazine, and it's got like pictures of the wall on it, and people shredding the wall on West Berlin side, and then people getting like shot for speaking out against Bavarian beer on the east side. I don't know. They were pretty rough, dude. Like East Berlin was no joke. It was literally like... Everything from the 80s, the gray clothes, everybody with sad faces, and they only played um, ominous music out of the loudspeakers. And then there was like a a kill zone. If you try to get to the wall, they would blow their own citizens away, and there was probably mines under there too. So it was was no shit. Like you think, you you youngsters that were born in 89, if you're listening to this, you don't know how good you got it, man. You got the internet, you you don't know anything other than the Germany that's fun-loving and makes uh, R9Ts and has good beer um, and all that great stuff. So in 1989, it was a different place. And... In all of Europe, this was happening because the USSR, um, communism was huge. And this will, ha- this will get into some of the other stuff that was happening around the globe. But um, yeah, there's going to be a lot of world history here before we get into the motorcycling stuff because just because I think it's so interesting to think of all the great stuff that you remember from 1989, like Eddie Lawson and 
Uh, do you remember Valentino Rossi in 89? Think back. Do you remember him in 89? And then what bikes were popular and famous? I got those coming up at the end of all this shit list of everything crazy that happened in 89. And, and this is only some of it, folks. Like, this is the major stuff. Uh, ten years before Columbine and ten years after a similar attack in San Diego, a gunman kills five children and wounds 32 in a racially motivated shooting in Stockton, California. 89. And the same bullshit's happening today. Um, Ted Bundy was ele- uh, executed for killing a bunch of people, a bunch of young ladies in Florida. I think he got killed on a Tuesday because I think I remember seeing a bunch of signs that said Tuesday is Friday, and Fry was spelled F-R-Y. So Ted Bundy was electrocuted. Uh, I think that was January. I can't remember. Uh, The Soviet Union leaves Kabul, or Kabul as we've come to know it, uh, ending the 10-year Soviet-Afghan war. Now, holy crap, this is crazy. 1989 was the year that they left. Who was backing the Afghans? Who was backing, like, Al-Qaeda? Us, dude. We didn't want Soviet communism to spread to Afghanistan. It was already everywhere up above it. Everywhere that Borat makes fun of, that was communist Russian territory. We didn't want it to go any further. So we helped the Afghans keep the Russians out. And after 10 years of trying to get in there, they gave up. So when we went in there in 2001, they were like, hey, listen, dudes, like you may not want to go in there. We learned a thing or two in 1979 to 89. So guess what, bro? Um you might want to take some hints, and we didn't. We're still there today. Uh, uh, Ron Brown, he was elected. You remember Ron Brown? He was the uh, the first Black American chairman of the Democratic National Con- uh, Committee, the um, the DNC, the Democratic National Conference. Is it a committee? I forget. Anyway, first Black American to lead a major political party in this country, and I think, yeah, Jesse, some guy named Jesse, Jesse, Reverend Jesse, Jesse. <laughs> Obviously not Jesse James, but he ran for president. I can't remember his last name. Jesse Jones. <laughs> Sally Jesse Raphael ran for president. But this Ron Brown guy was the first guy to actually lead a major political party in the U.S. Uh, it only took 400 years. So that happened. Salman Rushdie, he has a bounty put on his head by Ayatollah Khomeini and whatever government was happening in Iran because of this book called The Satanic Verses. I remember that being a big thing in 89. And I also remember L. Ron Hubbard's Dianetics being advertised. I had no idea how kooky that was. Sorry for all you... Uh, Scientologists out there. The first GPS satellite was put into orbit. So I'm telling you, you kids that were born in 89 that has like the internet and uh, you know nothing but great German beer and you're looking it up on your GPS as you're riding around, you can thank 1989 for making that happen. Um, Iceland lifts a 74-year prohibition of beer and I think now it's called Beer Day. 74 years without beer in Iceland. What the hell else would you be doing in Iceland if there wasn't beer? Like there's got to be some really good looking people over there if there's no beer and you're sticking around. Um, are we buying Iceland, by the way? I, I heard on the news, I tried to stay out of it, but I heard that we're, trying, we're buying some land from somebody. I guess we need it for a golf course. Um, the geomagnetic storm collapsed the Hydro-Quebec power grid. I think it put like 6 million, is that, is that right? 6 million people out of power, and it was all because of some crazy, it was like the first time we had like these awesome solar, solar flares happen that really like affected Earth's magnetic power. Uh, field too so talking about uh alternators and generators a few weeks ago you want a real magnetic field have the geomagnetic storm hit the planet uh president bush banned the import of some assault weapons to the usa apparently that's gone away because like i know you can buy an ak i just saw it on the internet some dude in florida had an ak in his car and it was uh they were cool with it um the nhl Clint Mallerchuk of the Buffalo Sabres almost dies when another player accidentally slits his throat. I think it was, I forget if it was the stick or the skate. It was like Blades of Glory turned to Blades of Fury, right? Did you ever play Blades of Fury? Was that that hockey game I used to play on Nintendo? Uh, I think it was called Blades of Fury, dude. He got a real Blade of Fury to to the neck, dude. How'd you like that? Um, This one will always stand out in my mind, and I forgot this was 89. The Exxon Valdez oil spill. Uh, Exxon Valdez... 
If you ever hear somebody say, my Triumph leaks like the Exxon Valdez and all you 30-year-olds don't know what they're talking about, it's because this was the worst oil spill from a tanker uh, until the British petroleum oil spill in the Gulf uh, just, what, like a decade ago? Um, Exxon Valdez was it, dude. And it was like, there was years and years. And, and a lot of people I knew uh, ended up knowing in the 90s um, had gone up to uh, Alaska to help clean up. There were seabirds, seals, otters, all sorts of sea life washing up with oil all over them because it just spewed uh, oil all over the uh, the Strait of uh, Jamaica up there in Alaska. And Dawn dish detergent turns out gets oil off of sea life. So yeah, eighty thousand bottles of Dawn and forty thousand hippies went up there and saved uh, most of the sea life. But it was terrible and it left a mark on obviously the landscape, a literal physical mark forever. And uh, Cost a lot of oil. Made fuel go up. Hmm. Kind of ties into what we were talking about. <laughs> Electric and hydrogen earlier. Um, the Red Army kills 20 in a peaceful protest uh, in Tbilisi, Georgia. If you don't know that Georgia's a country, you're an idiot. Um, Rain Man won the best picture for uh, 1989, I guess. Is that the Oscars or the Academy Awards? Or are they the same thing? Uh, the Hillsborough disaster kills nearly 100 and injures almost 800 at Liverpool Football Stadium when the Liverpool FC fans flood in and crush everybody. Could you imagine, like... Uh, almost a thousand people dying because they're getting trampled and stampeded at a football game. We don't do stuff like that in the States because we don't like uh, soccer that much. We don't even call it football, even though we don't play football with our feet here. Um, yeah, anyway, the protests in Tiananmen Square. There's a famous, it was just uh, publicized again this year because it's a 30-year anniversary. Um, the dude standing in Tiananmen Square known as Tank Man. Uh, and right now there's like stuff going on in Hong Kong. Hong Kong is not part of China, but there is uh, China is trying to take over everybody because we let them off the hook when we bailed out of the Trans-Pacific Partnership and uh, gave them authority in the, uh, the area. They, they say, you must respect our authority. But even way back in 1989, people were saying, we want more democracy. And I think, this isn't in my notes, but there was a Uyghur um, and Hui or Hui uh, Muslim minorities in China. And it's like the Turkic people of like China. And like I, I'm assuming some like Mongolian-style people are also uh, Muslim. And uh, they were d demanding, like, rights and stuff. And nowadays, those people are just disappearing. There's, like, a whole thing where these Uyghurs are disappearing and being sent to, uh, like, these concentration camps where they're forced to speak only Chinese. And, you know, in China, I don't think you're allowed to have a religion. I think that's why Falun Gong people are disappearing now. And that's why, like, you know, Kung Fu is a, is a art. It's a martial art and not a, a form of fighting. You have to go to theater to learn it. Um, and they've done away with all the fighting parts of it because they don't want you to uprise and they don't want you to believe in anything. So, yeah, like terrible, terrible uh, human rights stuff happening. And that stuff 30 years ago. The Uyghurs could, like, actually say we want more democracy. Now they just get kidnapped and sent to these weird concentration camps. Um, Motorola, the MicroTAC, T-A-C. I don't know if it really what it stood for, but it was the world's smallest cell phone came out in 1989. You look at that thing now, and it looks like one of the walkie-talkies from that show MASH back in the 70s. I think it was, like, the size of a goddamn Yuasa battery. You think you think those... Uh What's that company with the little Shirai? You think a Shirai battery's cool? Try putting a speaker on it and, uh, and an antenna and talking into it. Because that's about the size of the Motorola, uh, the MicroTAC. You know, what if you showed them a modern uh, iPhone 5 that's just like a tiny, like not much bigger than a credit card? Now we're going back up to bigger. We're, we almost have tablets, you know, like the the, the uh, 8 Plus and all the 10 Plus. They're, they're almost as big as an iPad in your pocket. But um, we, we did go smaller for a while. Uh, gene tagging. That's not a person's name. Gene tagging, as in genetic tagging. The first genetic modifications are performed on adults. We're starting to do gene sequencing. Salvador Dali even famously said way back in the day that he thought DNA was the wave of the future, and it is. It's becoming uh, DNA, and what's that um, sickle, not sickle cell, what's that when we take the newborn cells? I'm not a biologist, so forgive me. Uh, the first McDonald's opens in Russia because, you know, tear down that wall, Mr. Gorbachev, and... Um, 
install a McDonald's. And shortly thereafter, I think like a Hardee's and a Subway and a Mike's Jersey Mike's subs, all that shit. Uh, the Calgary Flames beat the Montreal Canadiens in the very first Stanley Cup. Yep, Stanley Cup fans, hockey fans. That started 30 years ago. Um, with the first Stanley Cup, Cup Montreal Canadiens getting their asses beat by the Calgary Flames. Uh, the very first HDTV broadcast happened in Japan. And nowadays, we take that shit for granted. We're all bummed out on fans' choice because it's a little bit pixely. But holy shit, back in 1989, can you imagine what the first HDTV? They're like, oh my god, you can see every pimple on this person's face. Um, nowadays, we're like, hey man, if it ain't like 8K, man, this sucks. Like, I want to feel the dirt on my face. Um, 250 people were arrested for celebrating the summer solstice at Stonehenge. Could you believe it? Of the audacity of people to arrest people for their relig- religious beliefs. Oh, wait, isn't that why people came to the United States in the first place? Um, but anyway, Solstice Slam, Summer Solstice, is all, is all near and dear to my heart, man. So uh, I thought that was kind of funny. Also, the very first Palestinian attack on Israel. Well, those are a dime a dozen now. Well, not, not lately, but they, they were for a while. Uh, the G7. I think this was the 15th meeting of the G7 at this time. Now the G7's old hat, and we're not even going to it anymore, right? Because it's a party nobody wants to be in. But uh, back then, it was only the 15th one. So they're like, yeah, it's a brand new world. Come on. What, what should we do? Oh, we should call for a restriction on gas emissions. Oh, what are we still doing 30-something years later? Oh, calling for a restriction on gas emissions. So I'm telling you guys, this isn't brand new. All this stuff that's in the making the news, like, none of it's new. Um, in July, Robert Morris is the very first person prosecuted uh, for under the Computer Fraud Act. So the very first computer hacker. Um, I don't know if he was part of Anonymous. Back then, Anonymous literally was Anonymous. It was just uh, this guy, so I guess it's not that Anonymous. But yeah, the first computer, the guy who f- made like first charge with putting malware or something like that, some virus on a computer. Also, Nintendo re- releases the Game Boy in North America, so now parents from Canada to Mexico can s- watch their kids' grades fall <laughs> as uh, the Game Boy is imported in North America. Um, and you don't have to play Bike on your Nintendo or uh, Super Nintendo Entertainment System anymore. You can actually play it on your Game Boy in the doctor's office while you're waiting to get your tetanus shot. Yeah! Um... Lyle and Eric Menendez, they kill their wealthy parents in Beverly Hills. Why'd they do that? Because they were spoiled brats and they're idiots. That's why. Um, but it made the news and those guys, um, I think I also just heard about them because it was the 30th year. Everybody's getting reminiscent for, for 89, right? The last, last year of the 80s. Um, Hurricane Hugo demolished the Caribbean and much of the southeast United States. We just had one of those pass by. Didn't, didn't a hurricane, didn't Trump uh, predict a hurricane was going to go into like Texas and Florida and, and obliterate it? I know, it? I know it beat up the Bahamas this time. So every time it goes through one of those uh, little island, one of those banana republics gets beat to shit. First Puerto Rico, back in the day it was the Caribbean. I think Haiti got hit bad by one. Um, I'm sure Cuba's got wiped out a few times. Um, and now, uh, what was it this year? Puerto Rico, oh, this year what, uh, was the Bahamas. Uh, it caused $8 billion in damages. I'm, I'm assuming most of that is uh, in Florida. Um, Denmark, they allow same-sex civil unions. Wow, way back in 1989, the first place to do it. Uh, I, I don't know if it's the first place to do it. Um, the Dow Jones plunges and closes at 2,569.26. Back in 89, 30 years ago, folks, we had no idea that like 10,000 was even a number when it came to the Dow Jones Industrial Average. We're like, oh my God, if we hit 5,000, we'll be like the greatest. The earth will explode and aliens will come hug us and Sasquatch will admit that he's real so he can invest in our goddamn stock market. But now it's like, oh man, it's below 10,000. Holy shit, the world's going to blow up. Um, what are we at, 12 now? I don't even know what we're at now, but yeah, 2,000 is what we were back at in 89, so holy cow. Also, a 6.9 earthquake hits the Bay Area and postpones the World Series. What the hell? Um, who, who thought of that one, California? Um, November, and also I remember back in the 80s, Nostradamus predicted that California was going to fall off the map. We've been joking about that for 30 years. We can probably stop that, guys, okay? November 9th was the actual fall of the Berlin Wall. So this is where I'm remembering 89 being like the penultimate, pivotal year in my life where things were happening. Uh, I was too busy skirt burden, but I was paying attention to the Berlin Wall falling. I remember people coming back with like chunks of the Berlin Wall, like, oh my God, this is it. And then some crackhead going down to downtown Schittsville, uh, jackhammering up some sidewalk and going, hey man, this is a piece of Berlin Wall, give me 20 bucks. Um, the USA invaded Panama in December. Do you guys remember when we invaded Panama? 
Oh, you don't? <laughs> well, there was a lot of shady stuff happening in the 80s, like the Iran-Contra affair, where, speaking of Iran again, like, we're, are we buddies with them or not? I can't tell, because we've had so many inside backroom dealings with them or not. Um, let me see. Uh, the first Al-Qaeda cell is uh, discovered in New York way back in 1989. And it doesn't surprise me, because a few years later, in 93, was that five years later? or four years later, they tried to blow up the World Trade Centers then in the basement. You guys remember that? And it just, like, blew out some papers and stuff. So then they're like, hey, we need to do this with, uh, come back and think of something different. I wish they hadn't. Uh, homosexual acts, no, homosexual arts? Oh, no, homosexuality gets decriminalized in Australia. So finally they're like, you know what? We're going to go ahead and just, like, we'll make Australia bearable. Uh, they also discovered drop bears in 1989, and the world's never been the same since. Um, also, lots of action in what people call Central America. You know there's no country, or, I mean, sorry, continent called or country called Central America, right? You have North America, which is, like, Canada, U.S., and Mexico, and then, like, some other ones down there right by Panama Canal. And then you have South America, which is, like, a bunch of other little weird ones, and then, like, the rest of it, which is, like, Argentina, Chile, and Brazil, and probably Paraguay or Uruguay, Lesotho. Who knows what's down there? <laughs> I haven't been past Mexico, but... I do know that uh, in the region that we call Central America, where the sh two shall meet, there was lots of action, including us invading Panama. But there was a lot of shit happening in Colombia, Africa, and the Middle East at this time, not to exclude Iran, uh, the Middle East, and uh, all over Africa, actually. You know, we had, we had Mandela getting freed, I think, that year, or something like that. Was it 89 when he got freed? I forget. Uh, it might have been a couple years later, actually. It might have, 89 is when they started to dismantle apartheid, but I think N Mandela got freed, like, uh, a couple years later. Um, also, we had, like, the uh, crazy uh, disagreements of, uh, throughout Saudi Arabia and Africa and all this stuff, and also in the Middle East um, and Central America with all the drug shit just going crazy. It was a nutty time. Like, 89 was a crazy year. And then you start thinking, like, Eddie Lawson won MotoGP. So. Um, and how many classes used to be in MotoGP? We'll get to that in a second. Uh, last thing I have, communism breaks down across Europe. Why this is significant to me is because, like, you don't think of places, like, after World War II, when the Nazis, like, really invaded a lot of places and the Soviets came in and took them back, like, took them over, like, hey, we're the good guys, we'll go ahead and take them over now, but it became, like, communist, and after that, the whole Cold War thing and the spread of communism, like, the whole reason for the... Um, Vietnam War and Korean War and all this crazy stuff is like opening this like the, the fall of communism really opened Europe to not only travel and I mean we still don't trust each other that much but I mean look at all the crazy like we wouldn't have KTM probably we wouldn't have I don't know if we'd have BMW motorcycles I mean I guess we would but BMW but Germany was split into two separate countries um I'm sure that we wouldn't have like Husaberg we probably wouldn't have like a lot of these weird little ones that are coming out um uh, you know, your Rawls probably wouldn't have made it over here for every hipster to enjoy. Um, Husqvarna might have not, you know, been like a major commodity. Like, there's a lot of things I think. I mean, it's not like those things weren't available like in the 70s and like the, I mean, KTMs were available uh, as far back as like the 90s, I think. Maybe, maybe early 80s. I, I only knew of uh, KTMs like um, in the 90s. So I don't know when like all this stuff was cool and, and available, like Makos and all that stuff too, I guess were still available during the Cold War. The thing is, is that like when communism fell, I feel like it opened up a lot more stuff, a lot more opportunity for these things. And now we get Red Bull Romaniacs. We wouldn't have had that. Like who was going to fly to the freaking? actually, I'm going to bite my tongue on that because I think the international six-day enduro always took place, even though it was, a... I mean, I guess motorsports transcended, um, in a way, motorsports has always transcended political things, kind of like the Olympics. We don't really care. We just want to go race and have fun and you know, hang out with their fellow bikers. So I guess, in a way, yeah, motorsports didn't care what was happening in 89. We'd already been doing it for a long time. But I feel like it opened up a lot of opportunities for us. Many, many transportation accidents 
uh, boats, trains, planes, lots of, I think San Bernardino here in Southern California had a train derailment. And if, if I remember correctly, like tons of stuff spilled out of this thing into the neighborhoods. And I think it ended up causing an explosion like two or three days later because it broke something underground somewhere down the line. Like it was a crazy derailment. But you also had planes and boats and all the stuff crashing all over the world um, and all over England and Scotland and Hawaii. We had that plane that had the, you know, the top rip off and like eight or nine people got ripped out the sucked out of that um so it was not a safe time to travel like we think of all the stuff we have now i just got through talking about like things becoming more efficient and safe like vehicle wise but yeah like transportation wise too i think it was a terrible time to travel back in the late 80s early 90s and uh nwa to top it off to top off my stupid what happened in 1989 that wasn't motorcycle related nwa sells a million copies straight out of compton i'm sure the beastie boys had an answer for that um but now let's get into the motorcycle related stuff what was happening in 1989, that we should should we be proud of 89 or should we not? I went back and I looked at Cycle World for 1989 and guess what was on the cover? Well, you're never going to guess, so I'll just tell you. Some of you weren't even born yet, so that's fine. But uh, yeah, dude, they had some some pretty rad stuff. The the bike of the year, I'll go ahead and tell you uh, what the bike of the year was. I'll tell you um, they had different you know different categories. So let's do it. So the best uh, best super bike. Here's their top top ten best winners from uh, 1989. So, uh, god damn it, all these ads pop up right when I'm getting ready to read this shit. So, Yamaha FZR1000, best superbike of 1989, voted by Cycle World. Um, if you don't like it, you can go back to Cycle You can go read Motorcyclist and tell them what you think. I don't know if Motorcyclist was around in 1989. Uh, the best 750 street bike was the Suzuki 750 Katana. Talk about coming full circle with the Katana coming back out for 2020. Um, the best 650 street bike was the Yamaha FZR600. So, way to go, Yamaha. The best... Pardon me, the best open street bike was the Yamaha FJR1200, which is awesome because they have a new FJR1300 that I absolutely love. The best under 500cc street bike was the Kawasaki EX500, which was not, that was a 500 Ninja, I believe. So way to go, Kawasaki, and the Ninjas have always, you know, been a staple in the motorcycling world. The best cruiser was the Harley-Davidson Springer Softail. Way to go, Harley-Davidson. When's the last time Harley-Davidson had a Springer? Was it the Soft Bones, like back in 2009, something like that, or 2010? I don't think they, they used to have a Heritage Springer, they used to have a Softail Springer, uh, they used to have a um, the crossbones, the soft bones. They had a couple springers there for a while. And I think they even had like a, what was that one with the skinny? Was that the Heritage? Maybe that was the Heritage that was the fatty. And then just the soft tail springer was the, the one with the skinny like FX front end on it that had sprung. But dude, Harley Davidson hasn't had a springer in quite a while. So I wonder if they're going to bring them back. Or I wonder if they're just like, nah, we're on to like street fighters and stuff. Bare knuckle and uh, Pan America, here we come. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think they're done making, like, factory custom bikes. Anyways, um, the best enduro was the KTM 250EXC, which is, uh, I think, still in production, if it's not a 350 now. Um, and the free ride, dude. I think the, the free ride came out not long after this. <laughs> I'm just kidding. The free, the free ride is, like, a little bit new, but not that new. I think it's, it's, it's it probably came out 15 years after this. Um, so the KTM 250EXC, yeah. My, my, uh, my history with KTMs, I only remember them from the 90s, but apparently they were available here in the 80s, too. The best touring bike. The Honda GL1500 Goldwing. Way to rocket Goldwing. And I have to say, the new Goldwing's just as good. Um, they didn't have DCT back then, to, to my knowledge. They did have Honda Matics, though. We should talk about that in one episode. The, the uh, Honda, I want to say it was a K, CB750K or something, was had like a Honda Matic. Um, I think Wiggins talked about it, actually, where it had like a high and low gear, 10 speed up front, 97 speed back down, Georgia Overdrive, all that great stuff. Okay, let's move on. The d- best dual-purpose bike was the Honda Transalp 600. And the Transalp's awesome. Sarah Guthrie that uh, we interviewed uh, last year, I think it was, or the year before, that uh, kind of curates the Serpent's Bones Trail there in Ohio um, on a Honda Transalp 600, I believe. Um, and then, like, cousin to the Africa Twin, I guess we could say. 
the old Africa twin. Uh, the best motocross bike was the Honda CR250R, and I'd have to say it's probably... Uh, I would probably pick that as the, uh, still a really good one. I mean, I know Suzuki's are pretty good in the in the, um, the off-road world, the motocross world. I'm not really too into motocross, but I, I think Honda's still kicking some ass. Uh, but elsewhere in this episode, they did like a, uh, or in this issue, I guess, they had on the cover, I was looking at the cover, it was so bitch, and there's like a blue uh, GSXR, I think it's in a, I think it's a 1000. Let me see if it tells you right here. Yeah, oh yeah, a blue GSX uh, R1249. Wow. So that's pretty cool. A GSX R1249. So they must have taken like an 1100 and punched it out. And it says that it hit 173 miles an hour on El Mirage Dry Lake Bed. And many, like a handful of stock bikes can beat that by 10 miles an hour today. <laughs> Straight off the showroom floor. So <laughs> that's pretty rad. And uh, the Yamaha VMAX that they had on this front. Let me see. Is it turbocharged? Yeah, there's a turbocharged VMAX on the front of this, uh, on the front. And I guess it holds a piston. And then they had like a... Uh, it just say, it doesn't say what, but it says a Suzuki GSXR drag bike that blew a head gasket. But yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Like there's Yamaha swept like Yamaha and Honda basically swept the podium in '89 with a lot of a lot of takeaways on there. Uh, who won MotoGP? Are you are you interested in GP? I didn't go like look up the Isle of Man and all that stuff for '89, but uh, GP man, like let's check it out. Who who won GP and what class did they used to have in GP that ended? In 89, bonus points for you if you can tell me since we didn't do Word of the Week this week. Maybe I'll do it at the end of the show and you can retroactively go back and if I did screw it up, you guys can get a little prize. Um, so MotoGP in 89, from 84 to 89, had five classes. They had the 500cc class, the 250cc class, the 125 class, the 80cc class, and the sidecar class. Sidecars eventually split off and went their own way. I don't know if that was uh, cool or not because I haven't heard jack squat about sidecars. You know, I don't know if they're doing very successful. Maybe they should have stuck around with MotoGP. Uh, however, with the five-class... It's hard enough to watch a three-class series. Five-class series uh, might be tough for TV time. But, um, yeah, Eddie Lawson took his uh, second consecutive GP championship in 89. So, let's see. Eddie Lawson won in 84. Let's go back. So, he won in uh, from the 500cc time period. Because before that, they were... Uh, five, well, there were 500 cc's then too. Why are they breaking them out by this? I don't know. Anyway, we're going to go back from 80, from 84 to 89. Eddie Lawson won in 84. He won in 86, 88, and 89. And I think that's about it. Like people's runs didn't used to be like they are nowadays, like Marquez and Jorge. We'll get to that in a second. But so Eddie Lawson took the 500 cc, which would now be called the MotoGP championship. Cito Pons on a Honda took the, uh, 250 cc, which would have been, I guess, Moto2. Um, Alex Creville took the 125 uh, class, which I guess would be Moto3. And in the 80cc class, Manuel Herreros on a derby. With Steve Webster and Tony Hewitt from the UK taking the uh, sidecar class on an LCR Krauser. Never heard of that. There's like LCR Yamahas on here, but LCR Krauser. Didn't even know that was a thing. So fast forward, man. Uh, I looked up here. that when, when the classes got cut down and went to... Uh, when did they go to... Okay, so 5, 250, 125, and Psycho. So they dropped, that's right, 1989 was the last year of the ADCC class. So if you knew that, yay for you. If you didn't, yay for me. Uh, so look, let's skip up to 1997. That's the first year Valentino Rossi won. I don't know when he started racing, maybe 95 or 96. But 97, Valentino Rossi takes the 125cc championship. Mick Duhan takes the, uh, the 500cc, and Max Biaggi takes the 250. So it was basically Max Biaggi in Moto2, Valentino in Moto3, well, what would become Moto2 and Moto3, and Mick Duhan. Uh, Max Biaggi uh, and Valentino still raced and did some pretty epic battles uh, for a while. Let's skip forward to 2000, or 99. Valentino takes the 250 championship on an Aprilia. 
Uh, let's skip to 2000. Nobody, nobody, nobody. Oh, yeah, 2001. Valentino takes it on a Honda. So Valentino every other year, 97, 99, 2001. That's a pretty good progression. Let's skip to 2002 when it, when it changed to MotoGP, the 250s and the 125s. Because in 2002, they changed to a 990cc, I believe, uh, motorbikes. Then in 2010 and 2011, I think they went down to 800s. And then in 2012, they jumped back up to 1000s. So Valentino... In 2002, 2003, 2004, 2005, 2008, and 2009. Only in that year when they were on 990s, Nikki Hayden took it in 2006, and Casey Stoner took it in 2007. After that, uh, let's see. After that, it's all Jorge and Mark Marquez from 2010 to last year, with the only other person winning being Casey Stoner in 2011 on a Honda. So Lorenzo, Lorenzo, I so thought Lorenzo was going to be the dude, and now I think he's just like, he's gone, he's out of it, you know? He's he's nobody. Marquez won in 2010 in the 125 class. Then he won in Moto2 in 2012. And then in 2013, MotoGP, that was his first uh, GP championship. One, two, three, four, five out of the last six GPs has been Marquez. And then Lorenzo, Lorenzo, Lorenzo's got three. Casey Stoner's got one. Man. So interesting stuff happening in 89. And for me, the last thing I want to talk about in 89... Was that the first year? That was like the first year I didn't ride motorcycles. Uh, or like maybe maybe not the first. Maybe it was like the... I'd been away from motorcycles for a couple of years by then because I got into skirt burden and girls. And I couldn't, you know, I couldn't afford motorbikes in the first place. They were my neighbor's motorbikes that I rode when I did ride. So then I got into skirt burden and music and rock and roll and all that great stuff. And 89 was also a penultimate year for music because you know that I think in 91 there was a documentary called The Year Punk Broke. But leading up to that was the... You know, the Sex Pistols in 79, let's say, did for music what this next band did in 89 for the next generation of music to come through. And it's still people that we still... It's crappy to hear them on, like, classic rock, but uh, I guess it is classic now. 89, out of Seattle. One of the most... The the penultimate band that led the way for, like, what would I guess be called grunge, uh, started to emerge and opened the doors for hundreds of other bands uh, from Seattle and also from this label called Sub Pop. And I used to love Sub Pop. I used to have this uh, vinyl called Sub Pop 200 that had the, some of the coolest music on it. Got stolen by a cracker, uh, crackhead, by a cracker. By a, a cracker came into my room. He said, I'm sick of being a, a piece of food, and he stole my record. Um, and he ran off with a biscuit. Uh, no, a cracker and a biscuit did not steal my record. A crackhead stole my record collection, and I lost a lot of good 80s stuff, like Big Black, Jesus Lizard, and uh, the Sub Pop 200 that I had. So the band I'm talking about is one of the most prolific bands of 89, leading into like 90-something, 95 is Mud Honey. They opened the doors for bands like Nirvana and a lot of the other guys that came out on uh, Sub Pop later. Um, like I, I don't remember if Yola Tango was on Sub Pop or if they were even from uh, Seattle but um, or Olympia, as it were. But like a lot of the bands from around there, um, Mud Honey was like raw. They're still pretty bitching, and they were making records all the way up until like the 2000s. So I don't know. If you get a chance to check out Mud Honey, check out this album. Either check out Mud Honey, which was a re-release, I think, of Super Fuzz Big Muff or something like that. And then... Uh, Every good boy deserves fudge is a good one, um, and there's like there's like a handful of really good ones. But yeah, like it, they they kind of opened the door, led the way to future bands like Pavement and uh, I don't know other really cool bands that I ended up liking. Yeah, 1989. That was the year. All right. Well, that's been our show. It's an hour and forty in. I barely talked about motorcycles. I mostly talked about electric stuff. Oh, that's why. Wanted to end the show on this. That <laughs> part of the whole reason I got into this electric thing in the first place. Uh, Ewan and Charlie, we mentioned it last week on the show, was spotted 
with the Rivian, right? Rivian is, is that a company out of Massachusetts or something like that? They make weird, weird looking trucks. But the, um, I got some more from ADV Pulse, man. I got some more pics of the Ewan and Charlie debacle coming up from Argentina. And it looks like they actually are in some pretty cool, <clears throat> the, um, the modifications that I saw on the ADV Pulse site uh, to the live wires. The live wires are on spoke wheels. So I guess they are going to be taking these things off road. I was like, dude, no way. But uh, one of my coworkers pointed it out to me and he's like, yeah, they're going to be doing that. They're ending here in Los Angeles. Cleveland Moto said it's going to take about 61 days. I did the math. I think it's going to be just about in time for IMS Long Beach. I'm sure they're probably going to show up here and do a ton of media stuff. So I'm guessing that it's going to be for Long Beach. Um, but yeah, the, the live wires were kitted out with like some, I don't know, the, the nerds, the ADV nerds knew the tires. It was like, it wasn't TKC eighties, but it was something like that. Metzler's or Heidenau's or something like that. And, um, yeah, they actually had spoke wheels with dirt tires on them. They had like a little bit of lift in the rear. It kind of looked like the ground clearance was the same, but it looked pretty good off road. So maybe they are taking these things, um, <clears throat> taking these things out in the dirt, getting them dirty and proving that they can ride them halfway underwater without having to worry about an exhaust and an intake to worry about, you know what I'm saying? And so I, another thing was, I think, is Amazon paying for this? I'm not 100% sure, but my my friend also heard that um, they didn't buy these outright. I guess Harley loaned them to them. I don't know if this is going to be like a GM situation with the EV1 where like you don't own the car, GM owns the car, um, and they can call it back and crush it at any time. But, uh, uh, so I don't know if Harley like donated it to him for the publicity or I don't know, maybe they're not like, maybe they're, let me think, four of them at 30000 a piece. Yeah, I mean, I guess that would be kind of, when you're comparing them to like a $10,000 or even $12,000 GS, uh, you know, BMW GS, that's a little pricey. So I don't know, maybe their budget didn't uh, allow for it or whatever, or maybe it was like a, a whole part of the thing where like, hey, we're going to give you this. We're going to make you uh, prove that you can come up and and um, on electric bikes that only get like a hundred mile range, whatever. I don't know. But it was, it was really exciting to see that they're actually not going easy on these things. So they were dirty. They had dirt tires on them and they're actually doing it. And who knows, you know, if they really are coming up for Long Beach, the 61 day timeline seemed to make sense and I guess time will tell. So with that, you fart knockers, I'm out of here. Uh, I think the uh, other co-hosts will be back with me next week. Please, next week also. Join Miranda Young at the uh, Harley-Davidson, White Lightning Harley-Davidson there in Chattanooga for ghost hunting. Please start getting your ghost stories together. Please plan a ride somewhere. Also, I watched a movie... Supposed to be the scariest movie on Netflix called Veronica. I gotta tell you, it wasn't that scary, as I say later. Like now that uh, I'm not in the moment, but it actually wasn't as scary as uh, some other movies that I couldn't even finish. But uh, that's based on a true life story about a girl whose boyfriend died in a motorcycle accident, and they used a Ouija board to try and contact him. And uh, so I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, I've been out riding some motorbikes recently and i hope you have been too enjoying these last i've heard people already saying it's it's snowing or not not snowing but it probably should be in wisconsin already um and so i'm assuming like michigan and 
Minnesota and all those places, the weather might be, <clears throat> might be taking a turn. And, um, yeah, it is here too. My, I don't know if you can tell my voice is all jacked up this week. I, uh, I can't hold it together, man. I'm like coughing and my throat hurts. So with that, I'm out of here. Give us a call, leave us a message. If you don't, uh, spook, you know, spooky spokes, submit your uh, story or your audio file, uh, you know, record something on your phone and email it to us by hitting the little send a button next to it. Send it to creative writing podcast at gmail.com. Uh, or you can call us 740-563-2858, leave a recording, um, or you can send it to snail mail. You just got to find a snail that knows where we live, tape it to his back. Hopefully I get it. Um, but yeah, spooky spokes. What else am I missing? Oh my God, what's that? Yeah, just when you thought it was over, everybody, I just want to give you a quick update. Uh, I mentioned that October 27th, our buddies, Brady Walker, Cla- uh, Ramming Speed, Classic Track Day, all those fun people, which is really the same dude, uh, is having a spook tracular track day at Willow Springs. Costumes encouraged, beer drinking and partying and hanging out with good friends mandated. And I just want to tell you that the registration's open for that. If you want to go to BradyWalker.com, you can check that out uh, or follow Ramming Speed Racing or Classic Track Day on Instagram or Facebook, and you'll find it all there. Uh, Our patrons. Patrons, I will try to be having a Discord chat this weekend. I'm not 100% sure when. Maybe tomorrow morning. If I can wake up in time, fire up the gear, get everything figured out, and get on. Uh, and it'd be lovely to hang out with you guys and it would be fun to, uh, talk about some new stuff next week. I think I'm going to go to, uh, Jay had some questions and you guys don't know this cause it's all off, uh, off air. It's all in via text. And if you guys can see my text, what the hell, like that's kind of weird to me. Uh, but anyway, we've had some show texts together, uh, talking about, uh, talking about, talking about stuff. Yeah, that's an idea right there for you. Uh, Jay had some questions to me and Wiggs about various things. I like Jay. She's curious and she doesn't know everything yet. And so she asks a lot of questions. I like people that ask a lot of questions and don't assume stuff. So we might be talking about engine components. And I thought it would be kind of cool since she fucked up the brake challenge to do another challenge, but I'm not 100% sure on that. As you can tell, we haven't done Word of the Week because there's nobody here to, I don't want to spin it and then uh, get it, you know, So and, and do it. It'd be a lot funner with two people here uh, to do Word of the Week. Um, but uh, I thought it'd be kind of fun. I have an engine sitting here and we can go top to bottom and talk about engines, how they work, what they do. And then I thought we could do that with motorbikes in general. And at the Californian last year, somebody was asking me, hey man, have you talked about like how suspension work and this and that work and I say oddly enough co-host Wiggins and I do these little challenges where we bring them up but I thought maybe we'll just take a generic one or like uh, a system or component and go from the top down on a motorcycle and kind of cover the different ones out there and you can learn your motorcycle from the top down what do you think of that if you like that idea push yes on your keypad now if you don't like that idea throw your phone out the window or if you're at the cubicle throw it over there at Ray I know there's a guy named Ray in your workplace. Throw it at him. All right, everybody, that's it for creative writing. Uh, do a spooky spoke. Think of Miranda Young. And if you're in Chattanooga, check out Ghost Biker. 